Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together. Are you with me now? Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're definitely going to ruin Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, so if you haven't seen it, uh, you could probably turn this off right now. <laughs> <laughs> and wait for and wait for once you've seen it. I mean, because like, you know, you know we're going to ruin it. So come on, get with the program here, guys. Um, <laughs> I, so yeah, we took a week off. Um, we've both seen Guardians. You've seen it one more time than I have, unless you've seen it a third time. I've seen it three times. <laughs> really? Okay. So yes. this is the <laughs> so this is the kind of podcast that you guys are in for. Um, just a little heads up: if you're a hater and you're a hater of this movie, I don't know if you're going to really like this podcast because I think that we're both in the bag for this one. Um, kind of like. Like uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, I feel like because of the okay, so like, can we just talk about like the landscape right now and like what people are saying? And it's very divided. Like I, I, I was very shocked to find out it was divided. Like there, it's a like a love it or hate it, take it or leave it kind of movie. It seems. I mean, is that the thing that you're kind of getting from like the the things that you're seeing in reactions? Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen too much, like, super negative stuff. Most of the negative stuff has been, like, oh, it, it's emotional manipulation, which yes. uh, is, I, I'm I'm just gonna, I don't know, I'm just gonna say, it's, that's a stupid argument. <laughs> like, yeah, it really mo- is. <laughs> movies that are designed to make you feel things are always emotional manipulation. It's all fucking fiction. <laughs> like it's all emotional manipulation. It's just a matter of if you are like in that moment or if you're just sitting there going like, oh well this is just bullshit, you know, come from nowhere, like make trying to make me feel something in a movie that is basically vapid and empty to begin with. That's like the real emotional manipulation. If it's true to the story, it, it, you know, if it feels natural, if, then I mean, yeah, it's manipulation. But like, it's the story. It's what it is. It's designed to make you feel something, and this story certainly does that. Like, the runs the gamut of emotions. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it's fucking beautiful. Uh, I I love it. I even the shit that doesn't make sense. I'm just like it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um I feel like I think the the thing that I latched onto in the movie at the end of it was that like this is the rare occurrence where like the third movie may end up being the best and by the best I mean the 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 most like of the of the three movies like this is the most emotionally um, resonant, and like it, it just connects in a way that the first two don't. And like, like they're 
I like I love the first two movies, right? And there are moments in it where it connects, but it's like there's this level of <laughs> there's this level of snarkiness like to James Gunn's like early work that makes it feel like there's a distance there. Like he feels like he has to like put the snark in there to let the emotions be in there because it's not cool. But then there's this change over the last decade with him and he's come to like love these characters in a way. And even like, I feel like Suicide Squad and him getting out of like the marvelness of it and like doing something like that kind of shook him in a way that it was like, oh shit, I like making movies, but I want to make movies on my terms. Because what I love about Suicide Squad and what I love about this is that they are uniquely James Gunn. Like, these are movies that James Gunn wanted to make that were only and could only be made by by James Gunn. I would add Peacemaker into that as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like, like in that in these last five years, he's found something where he's like recognized it's okay to like like he's always like skimmed with emotions but it's always been like layered with snark right like or or not even just snark but just like like you deflate situations um with it comic. has to be a little bit cynical like or, or exactly. sometimes even a lot cynical like it, it exactly. you know that's just the way he is that, that personally that's the way he is like he's like if you followed him on twitter or whatever like it it's mm-hmm. that's just the way he is um, but he's found a better groove with the yes. with all of it in the last few years. Um, it's the the heart is way more uh, prevalent than it was yeah. in the past. Like I I think you're a hundred percent right. I, I mean anybody that's paid attention to me since the first Guardians movie um, knows that. I, I started with like, oh my God, this is going to be the greatest film of all time. And then when I saw the first Guardians movie, I was absolutely let down. I don't, I think it's really problematic. Um, and not, not from like a, uh, like a political standpoint or anything. I just think the movie itself has like, nobody wants to address. <laughs> like m- most of all, like the, the, I, I, they uh, talked about it. The the amount of MacGuffins in the fucking movie is it's insane. It wastes Lee pace. Like Thanos is as uh, prevalent as he should be. Mm-hmm. That first movie has so many problems for me. Um, and a lot of people will be like, well, you want it to be like the comic books and they take a lot of, um, to which I can point to this third movie and say, look, I am much like Black Panther. Um, I'm, I'm not jumping on the, I'm Adam Warlock guy bandwagon. I look just like Namor legit straight up old school, like love the fucking like. 80s um so Morlock fanboy you know I got a shit ton of Adam Morlock stuff um I love that character in the comics the dude you see in the movie that's not Adam Morlock (laughs) 
It's not. Not at all. But it's so fucking good. Will Poulter is amazing. I love every stupid choice that James Gunn makes for this fucking character who is nothing other than like basically being invincible. He's nothing like he is in the comics. He looks like the comics, but (laughs) characterized, not at all. And I love every fucking second he's on screen. Yeah. And like, Oh God, the, the, just the mama's boy of it all is like (laughs) so funny. And then you wind up feeling so bad for him. I'm like, he, I mean, he races across the fucking planet to save yeah. his mother and has to see her die in front of him. And, like, they don't go far enough in addressing that in the movie. Like, you only get a few moments with him afterwards. But, like, it's enough. Like, him at the end, and we're probably going to be all over the place, but him at the yeah. end, wrapped in that blanket... Like, sitting on those steps, listening to Dog Days Are Over, watching these people who saved him after he spent, you know, forever trying to kill them. It It's, I, I mean, there's so many good emotional beats in this movie. There really is. Like, it, like, like, some people, like, I, I've seen some people's, like, discussion about, like, how the final like like the final like the final like scene with dog days is a little too on the nose but i'm like you know you're the same fucking people that complain about like people not getting their endings and the whole thing is is that like with this kind of like wrap up um you want that like you want that you want every you want to see everybody and where they are going not necessarily the end of their of their journey but where like after being like what I love about the movie is that that where they started ten years ago and where they end up here are completely different. Are are, are completely different way. Like it's like in life, right? Um, you know, like where you started and where you end up and where you end up going after that are completely different things. It's not like you're doing the same thing. It's not like you're the same person after this 10-year journey. And what I appreciate about Guardians Volume 3 is that it takes that concept of of time and change and like, you know, sometimes the family needs to go away a little bit to come back together. Um and runs with it and like runs with the whole thing of loss and consequence and like, you know, what happens at the end. And it's like, it's like this really wonderfully beautiful, but very, it's hard, but hard in a way that I feel like, like movies used to be when they were PG-13 and they were allowed to be, but like, you know, everything is softened. Like we've softened the edges yeah, of PG-13 movies. PG-13 has become like, like this late, like PG-13. It's like seven year old. This is PG-13. Like, nah, man, uh, if your kid is under 13, you really need to think about this. Um, yes. You may 10, maybe. But like I, I I had to tell my sister because one of my nephews, Jace, is a huge Marvel fan, 
And um, of course, he wants to see everything when it comes out. And I told, I was like, I don't think you can take him to go see this movie. Uh, Spencer and I went and saw it with Ezra, and we had a we had a backup plan um, for uh-huh. uh, like, okay, if it gets to be too much, we're just going to leave the theater and go see a Mario screening. To like, we're not going to finish the movie. We'll just leave, and him and I, Spencer yeah. and I, would come back later because I, I was like. I don't know, man, <laughs> like the animal cruelty stuff, like, you know, if you've got, you know, and not in a negative way, but if you have a sensitive child, like it's going to be a fucking lot because I've seen it three times and I've cried every fucking time and none of the main characters die and every no. fucking time I'm crying. <laughs> Um, no, absolutely. And the thing is, is that it's like, it's funny because, um, I feel like, uh, um, there's a moment where, where Star-Lord calls, um, calls the high evolutionary, um, uh, Robocop. Um, and <laughs> like, it's hilarious, but it's also like, cause I mean, he fucking like, he's designed like Robocop, but if you watch yeah. the, the rocket stuff. It very much so feels like the cruelty level, like he took inspiration from the RoboCop, like the first third of RoboCop, where they fucking kill Alex Murphy. And if people don't remember, because like, you know, again, like time has shaved off the the edges of RoboCop, the original one, the, 1990, uh, the 1988 movie, that it's movie rough. was rated in. Yeah. yeah. If you've seen it in the NC-17 cut, because it was rated X, like it got an X rating for its first initial cut, and then it had to go back to the censors, like five or MPAA, well, censors MPAA, it doesn't matter, they're drawing fucking straws here, but it went to the fucking board like seven times to get an appropriate cut. But it is a cruel, cruel scene. And it, and the way that James Gunn stages it, and the way that the, what happens and happens, what, what makes, like, and here's the weirder part about it is, is that, I've seen a lot of things like I've seen a lot of things about this and it makes Guardians one a better movie for 100%. Rocket. When you see that, because you now have context. Like you don't think that you like James Gunn is bold enough to rem- to know that you know what? I know that people think that it's more powerful not to see it. I'm I'm the motherfucker that's going to show it to you because I know how to do this now. And what happens as opposed to what you think that your imagination is, is completely different because they hit you with the emotion of it. Like that scene is probably one of the crueler, most more emotionally shaking scenes I've seen recently because of the cruelty of it because he lets it play out because he lets the high evolutionary be the little like the squirmy shit that that you you don't expect him to be that bad but you expect him to be that bad and like and james guns goes just kind of turns this page when after he like you know after he after he leaves rocket alone by himself and Rocket is fucking crying. He fucking sits there and he does the thing that you don't think that people will do, but they do. 
and he fucking makes the high evolutionary a true psychotic and lets him laugh at Rocket's tears. Yeah. And that moment, like, I don't care who the fuck you are. Like, I don't care how you feel about the Guardians movies. In that moment, if you're like, if you're even a little, if you even let uh, like, you know, James Gunn take you on a journey, even a little bit, you're going to feel something about that because it's fucking cruel. Like, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes like this movie makes both of those movies better. Like, I, I completely agree with you, man. Like, like Nebula, like, yeah, no, but like, you're right. Like Nebula's story becomes a lot more prescient and like, it does the same thing, but on a lesser level that Rocket does, which is, it gives you context for like, this is a shitty thing, but she is the ultimate, she is the ultimate middle child. Like Nebula, she is the ultimate forgotten middle child. Yeah. Um, And like, I feel like everything, like, gives this movie, like, a kind of, like, great recontextualization of the first two films. Because, like, you also have, like, and it's, it's a weird thing to watch the whole Chris Pratt. Like, it's like a weird meta thing with the, like, with Star-Lord storyline with Chris Pat- Pratt and who we know, like, who we think we know him as, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, like, kind of, like, super self-involved uh douchebag who you know uh, kind of almost fucked up the entire world and like also like that is of what a lot of people think of chris pratt in real life and then yeah. but like i we texted about this i i don't agree with a lot of chris pratt stuff like i i don't um i don't think mm-hmm. he's this terrible person but it yeah. is easy to just be like, whatever, yeah, Hollywood douchebag, uh, it's whatever. And you watch him play Star Lord, and like it just, it it's like going back to watching play Andy Dwyer. It just doesn't fucking matter, man. Because when he's yeah. doing it, it's you're just like, yeah, like uh, you. The movie starts giving you more reasons to not fucking like this guy. He's yes. drunk off his ass because he misses his girlfriend. Understandable. But, like, he's ta- he starts off by, like, trying to take shit out on Rocket. You know, passes out in a fucking bar. Has to be, you know, carried to bed by <laughs> fucking Nebula. Um, who Nebula. He yeah. then calls Gamora. And, you know, like, she couldn't feel bad enough about herself. Um, it just gives you reason after reason for like 10 minutes to like, yeah, you don't like this guy. Yeah. This is the guy that, you know, did some dumb shit and Thanos wiped out half the planet cause you know, he lost his mind with grief and you know, I, I'm not big on the like, you know, Star Lord's piece of shit for that. Like it's like and it was in the moment, but that's a whole nother movie. And then the rest of the movie is him trying to fucking save his best friend and doing incredibly dumb shit. Like bravely to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um it, it really is like like uh and, but it's like every step of the way, the dumb shit that he does isn't 
like okay so like like my whole thing is like like his arc is selfish 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 altruistic but still selfish like he like nothing like like what i love is like there's not like there's not this huge change in everybody in the movie and especially with star lord like he like there's like a two to four percent change and it's just enough to be like superhuman and allow you to like go ah okay like this guy is he is evolving it's just he's evolving in the way that star lord would would evolve and change like it's not what you to see it's what he like through his own experiences is going through and it's kind of beautiful to watch him like clumsily and stupidly with his gang of stupid people continue to kind of like do something that's that's ultimately like you know it's like the search for spock right like this one's like the search for spock i mean it's like you know spock is dead but he's not really and you have to fucking save him so like kirk kirk and star lord are very like in the william shatner iterations regardless of what you guys think and i i don't care if i get hosed in the fucking thing like he is a like Kirk is an asshole. Like William Shatner's Kirk. Even though we love him, it was because we love him. Like he's Zach Brannigan. He's there's no fucking difference. That's why they created Zach Brannigan because he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Star Lord is the same way. But the thing is, is that you can't help whenever you see a guy or somebody go after something for somebody else, and is just so blindly kind of like leading that charge, no matter what it's kind of ingratiating to you and you kind of forgive the rough edges, but it's not like he's like this hero in the, in the movie. Right. Like, like that's the best part about it is that he's still star Lord. He's still fucking kind of hung over, kind of like hung over on love and alcohol or whatever he's drinking. Um, it's just his best friend is in need. And it's like, it's the, it's the die hard with the vengeance situation conundrum right the the scene with him and gamora there there's a few but the one specifically where uh they get back on the ship and you know they're like okay we got to do this and this and this and this and back to my people and he's like or nebula's like we don't have time for that and she's like i don't care you know i'm not staying with you guys and Peter's like, those are not your people. We're your people. You know, gives uh, once again gives her the whole speech of like, uh, I need you to be basically saying I need you to be the person that that died and yeah shoves him into this like bank of like monitors and she's like, what is wrong with you that you need me to be somebody that I'm not and or that's not exact but it's something like that and like yeah. It's so on fucking point. Like it, it's something that that somebody has need to say to Peter for a long fucking time, you know. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And, and but the beautiful thing is, is that when she does it, she goes too far. And who's there to step in to give mm-hmm. Gamora? her fucking like smack in the face like metaphorically which is nebula like but it's just it's like you're right like she needs like somebody needs to do that call him on his shit with a great line i mean because uh nebula stops her and uh she 
she, uh, Gamora says something. She's like, I'm family. And Nebula goes, so is he. And it's yeah. so fucking good, man. It's such a, it. It is not even a minute scene. And it's probably my favorite scene in the movie. I could, I could totally see that. Like, like because it's it's reconciling and also like uh it's reconciling something that like since the beginning like star lord has been like this vacuum of of like this vacuum space or this black hole of like like emotion right or like not even emotion it's just it's just use like he's James literally done he's like yeah. covered everything in cynicism like he does just that it has to look cool and be edgy or what you know he has to like you know peacock his way out of things and and it's costing so much over and over and over and over again because he has a really hard time humble or just like just letting his heart be out there without <laughs> up with some some shit and it's funny that that the the one movie that he really does try to do that mm -hmm. <laughs> james gunn does makes it completely like cynical they're breaking into the in it and he he does the little calm thing yeah i've seen that scene three times and it's fucking funny every time <laughs> <laughs> who's on um, first <laughs> yes <laughs> um it, like and it, it's just it's weird to like watch this like because it's a very different movie than the first two movies um uh because like it's it's weird because it's almost like first like it's mother father family like it feels like like this this trilogy of movies because the first one is is like you know dealing with the loss of his mother star lord right in a weird way but not really and then it's the father the the second movie is about the like you know his father and where his like you know dealing with the relationship with his father and then the last one is about like you know the family that he's created his family and and coming to terms with everything that's happened in the past and making making right what needs to be made right for this family because it's like a lot of it is like focused on it's interesting because it's like everything that star lord is dealing with is shit that he that he's either said or done or consequences of over the over all of the films that he's been in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you're right. Like I think that's something that you like you said is like perfectly genius, which is this is James Gunn, right? This is James Gunn in a weird way. If you don't know his story, it's completely masked, but it's his story of losing Marvel, coming back to Marvel, um, and evolving and changing. Like the send off, the kiss off. Even though this was written years ago, from what I understood, it's kind of weird how so much of the story kind of parallels like James Gunn and like, you know, the evolution of James Gunn, like you were saying. Um, and that's kind of wonderful and beautiful, like, you know, to, 
like you know we were texting like you were saying we were texting back and forth in regards to like like chris pratt and stuff and there's this thing that i feel like he's like he's like you know regardless of whatever you think of him he's this amazing performer but he needs like it like what i realized is is that he needs more people like james gunn and less people that he picks and chooses so that he can he can be whatever he wants to be in the film like he is an actor that can't be left to his own devices it's not like he's mcconaughey where we're going to spend all the money in the world to see mcconaughey play mcconaughey right like pratt yeah. Like, we don't want to see Pratt on screen. We want to see, because I don't think that Star-Lord, I think Star-Lord has some swag like him, but I think that they're very different, different characters um, and different people. Like, it's a performance. And I feel like I want to get, I don't want, like, when I watch it or I watch stuff from Chris Pratt, the thing that I'm always, always very apparent with, like, with Terminal List, with that tomorrow's war, Jesus Christ. Anything that he's done that's not been associated with like things that he doesn't have control over, like the producing stuff, it's insufferable. Like it's insufferable because he's like got this tough guy persona where I'm just like, bro, you're not the tough guy. You're just yeah. not. Like, I don't care how many I don't care how fucking lean out you get. I don't care how many Navy SEALs you fucking practice with. You're still going to be Andy Dwyer and you're still going to like that is like that that character like that persona like that stuff is where you lie best is where you can bury yourself into a character and well, not be Star Lord is badasses. Star Lord is Andy Dwyer pretending to be Burt Macklin, right? Like yes, that's this is true. that's, oh that's God, the Star Lord performance. Character. Because underneath yeah. it, like, it's still Andy Dwyer. So you're watching yeah. Star-Lord, and, yeah, he's doing all these, like, insane badass things. But, like, also underneath all of that is this, like, child who yeah. doesn't really know how to process, like, his emotions, what he's going through. Like, he's still goofy and juvenile, and um, it, it it's so... He's just, he's perfect at those two parts. Things. I think Spencer yeah. and I were talking about this. I was like, anytime he shows up in something as like the third character or something, like uh, he's in her, right? With Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. And he's fine in that. Like, he's totally fine in that. It's when they do this, like, oh, Chris Pratt as this. It's like it, it has only worked for Guardians, guys. <laughs> like, it just I'm with you. It doesn't. Anytime I see anything else, I'm like, it just does not look interesting to me. I need, you know, and I hate to pigeonhole him into anything, but I don't. I don't know. It's just like there's nothing wrong with that version. Like, need, uh, you know, the. It's like asking Harrison Ford to be somebody other than Harrison Ford. It's just like, no, nah, we yeah. kind of just need him to be. Like, he is all those other characters, but he's also like, you're there to see Harrison Ford. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, uh, you uh, didn't um, want to watch him 
dig in and give like some macho performance or some like super performance. You watch a Bogart movie because it's like, well, that's Humphrey Bogart. He's only ever yeah. playing Humphrey Bogart. Be a detective Humphrey Bogart or a drunk Humphrey (laughs) Bogart, or but he's only ever playing Humphrey Bogart, (laughs) so like you know, so yeah, I I think this might might be Pratt's best performance as Peter Quill. Um, oh, it certainly is his most Um, vulnerable, I think. And I think also the the most I know it sounds weird because he's like drunk and angry and upset the whole time, but he's also like it's also this most charming, I feel like, because the shit that, you know, he does in other people's hands would have been annoying, like the way that he presents it and the way that he pushes it and the way that he works at it like. There's another version of this with other with say somebody else who was Star Lord that would have been so eye rolling and so stupid and just not worked. But because Pratt has a specific charm to him, um, that it works. Like like and it's not and like I said, it's James Gunn. I feel like working with and you know um, he trusting James Gunn enough to to do that um i was gonna make a comp like and it's very apparent to me now like i can't unsee it um and it was because of so like you know we we text all the time and you were talking about like you discovered sunset the bruce willis james gardner blake directed by blake (laughs) edwards early comedy um and it's something basically chris pratt is bruce willis like if you really think about it like the first like from from like hit there's like this weird thing where from like from blind date to like until hudson hawk like the dude had this blue collar charm that we like we kind of knew he was a tough guy but it wasn't really apparent it was more like he's just a roughneck that gets into a situation and is like bugs bunnies his way out and there's a charm to that. There was always a charm. Like, like you know, um, you watch Moonlighting, which, I mean, is not available right now. Uh, but if you've ever watched it, I mean, you probably watched it. You probably watched it. I watched it when I was a kid. He was like, he was a superstar on TV before you had superstars. Um, same way with, with Pratt. Pratt on, you could just tell. You didn't know how he was going to go about it. But the instant you met Andy Dwyer, and the minute that they they knew what they had, you knew what they had. And so it was like they were only going to have him for a limited time. It, it turned out that he had him forever. Um, yeah, I mean, they, he was but, written out of the show. Like, he was not meant yeah. to be past, like, w- the first season, definitely. Season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they I mean, were like, we I, have to find a way to keep him on the show because he's fucking brilliant. Exactly. And thank God Aubrey Plaza was there because like they owe each other their careers because if anything, like, like if anything, if Pratt really wanted, if Pratt really wanted to be a superstar again, like a super superstar and ingratiate himself to us, he would find a way to make a super big, like romancing the stone style, like rom-com with Aubrey Plaza because oh my god that would be never incredible, been better man 
Right, right. Burt Macklin, like, Janet Snakehole. I'm like, I am so in on that. Like, even if you did a remake and you just kept the dynamic where, like, the thing, the reason why fucking Romancing the Stone works, and I've heard this before, and so I'm stealing it. I don't remember who I'm stealing it of, about. But the reason why Romancing the Stone works is because you believe with every fiber of your being that Michael Douglas not only wants the fucking stone, but he wants to fuck Kathleen Turner, like in the yeah. worst way possible. Like if he had a choice, he would probably try, he would he would say, I want to fuck Kathleen Turner. Here's the stone. Like the character I'm saying. Like that, and, and Kathleen Turner not just being oblivious to it, but like thwarting it at every turn because of who she is. Like that kind of energy would work perfect with like with Aubrey Plaza and Chris Pratt again because they just them remake that. Yeah, that that would be incredible, man. Uh, right. and, and, and he just, would be perfect for that. Exactly, because he has that that thing, right? Like he has that he has the Willis in him. Like that's the thing, and it's like, but there was a point where we stopped liking Willis because he thought he was a fucking tough guy. And he became yeah. this persona of tough Yeah, guys. by the time you get past Die Hard 3, it's just for all of this, man. Yeah. Like, every exactly. once in a while, he gives you a glimpse back in uh, the Wes Anderson stuff or um, mm-hmm. it, it, um, Looper yeah. has, has a little bit of that old Willis charm. Um, even though a lot of it's not being brought by him, but, (laughs) 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 um, yeah, it's just, yeah, at some point you, you just were like, I I don't know, man, I I don't want to see any more of this tough guy bullshit. And yeah, it would be really, really easy for Pratt to go down wormhole. Mm -hmm. I hope he makes it out of these like paycheck movies or makes whatever like and then starts making things that he's even if it's just like goofy comedy stuff like oh there are two scenes in this movie that i know that he improvised and one is the scene with gamora where he starts talking about her eyes he improvised that. Oh, he um, did? Okay. Yeah. That's the other is is the funniest part in the movie is all him. The getting into the car thing, that's all Chris Pratt. Oh, Jesus. That is? Okay, so, like, yeah. you, you look at that, and that's just, that's comedic brilliance. Like, really, honestly, that is comedic brilliance. Like, how do you, like, how do you come up with that shit? Like, really, like, it, like if you really think about it, it's like, that's so universal that is so just kind of beautifully like <laughs> stupid like like the whole like the door thing like jesus christ the fucking door, door. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um or like like what i realized also was like him and karen gillen are kind like as gamora and star lord are kind of brilliant foils to one another and absolutely, I would love to see them shift together. Like, I know, like, 
we don't we don't talk about those kinds of fucking things. But like, if you if you had them eventually having like, I think Karen Gillan even said it. She's like, I want like if we do another Guardians movie, I would love it. I would love nothing more than for it to be a Gamora, uh, Star Lord rom com, because their chemistry is so palpable in those moments. Nebula. You said Gamora. Yeah, oh, Nebula. Nebula. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Nebula. Yes. yes. Well, I was Thank like, wait, so what? Nebula. Yeah, Nebula. <laughs> um, because they're so fucking good with one another, and they're so just kind of brutally, like, I don't know, like, there's just this energy that makes it hilarious, but also, like, the moment where he goes, your eyes, they're so black, and then he, she's just like, yes, my father used them as torture devices to me. It just, like, it's the back and forth that's just a little, like, not a little brilliant, really brilliant. Um, it's as good as the comedic energy between Mantis and um, a Drax. A Palm Clementif, man, and Dave Bautista. Like, so Dave Bautista was one of the things I did not love about the first movie. I thought his Drax performance was a little too stiff. Like, it, it is funny, but it was just a little too stiff for me. And okay. he's grown so much more into that role that, like, it, everything they do in this movie is so fucking great. Like, them two together. The the scene to check out... Uh, I've seen it three times. You think I could remember the names of all these places, but the the living planet thing. Um, they're walking around and yeah, <laughs> she nowhere. touches that guy. Um, no, not nowhere. The the flesh planet. Oh, yeah, the flesh planet. Uh, the the one that was designed. Orgo uh, it's Corp not even like whatever. Yeah, Orgo Corp's um, uh, headquarters. It was a space station that was built organically. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, but she okay, she yeah, touches yeah, yeah, yeah. that dude and is like, "You're madly in love well, with him." <laughs> like, him. And Dave Bautista plays it so, like, just perfect. Where it's, it, <laughs> yes, he he plays it as a guy who's had to endure this so many times that he can't even get angry about it anymore because he doesn't have it left in him, and he's just like, "Oh my god, yeah." My name is Drax the Destroyer. Like, just, it's so funny, man. And, you know, they're walking through, looking at everything, and, like, those troopers, like, start descending on them. And just their back and forth, she's like, we need to run. He's like, we need to fight. We need to run. We need to fight. <laughs> and she's just like, damn it. Okay. And then they just go off, man. Um, I don't know... Like, I know we saw a lot of that chemistry. Not a lot. We saw a little bit of that chemistry between those two characters in Volume 2. Because that's where they meet. Yes. And it, it's there. But I feel like you, if you did not watch the Christmas special, you do yourself a disservice for those two characters. Because you miss out on them, like, really bonding. You know? Absolutely. And, because they go... It's their adventure. If anything, it's like, even though it's a Christmas special, they're the ones that do everything. Like, like yeah, you're right. Like, that is such a, like, Guardians 2.5, but you absolutely need to watch it. Because it's also, 
they play the the brother sister relationship very kind of just perfunctory like like it's what you expect if you watched the whole thing and you saw at the end the emotional crescendo of that of the the guardian special like it just seems like if you didn't watch it like the first 10 minutes where they're like you know they just offhandedly mention star lord and mantis are brother and sister it's like what what the fuck like if i would be like what the fuck when did that happen what the fuck why are you saying that um but also like the mantis like the mantis uh drax relationship is so solidified in that it's so kind of angry brother like it's weird because it's partially it's like they're two children that are in love with one another but they don't know how to say it to one another so they punch each other and run away does that kind of make sense yeah like they are like you can very much tell drax like one of the many moments that for me that hit hits me hard is everything with drax like he goes from like like the the thing of like having no purpose to like having mantis and being this like team because you could tell in that whole movie in the whole movie you could tell that their live like the holiday special was just the beginning of mantis and drax having adventures and then like which makes it such a oh, bummer that that he's not he, I get it I get why he's done I, I like yeah. after this many years and that many movies, I would be done to his arc. He has a good arc. It, it finishes. I understand it, but it's just like, dude, we got to that point of like you grew. I mean, uh, Nebula tells him at the end, she's like, "You're not to be a destroyer. You you're made to be a father," and like it's. Which, you know, going back to what you were talking about earlier, I I think maybe the most, it's, it's very on the nose, but I think one of the things this movie does better than anything is illustrate so many different types of fatherly relationships and how they're yes. all just kind of fucked up. Um, like, the first movie is yes about all these characters coming together but you could easily take take a step back and read that first movie as like nebula and gamora's story of dealing with their fucked up father and what he's done to them and you know the second one is definitely peter and uh mantis's like dealing with their father and then the third yeah. movie, of course, is uh, uh, Rocket dealing with his father. Um, and, oh, man, I didn't even think about that. I, I wonder what James Gunn and Sean Gunn's relationship with their dad is. Like, yeah. now that you say that, I'm like, like, this is like, like, and again, this movie makes those first two movies better. Like, yep. because of this kind of stuff, because it's tying all the loose ends, you're 100% right. Like, I didn't well, and think about that. Like, it's about You fathers. have Drax, who was a father, and his family mm-hmm. was destroyed. And and so you have all these children who, who have these complicated, <laughs> fucked-up relationships with their fathers because they're not great people. And then you have this one guy who was a father who loved his children and his family dearly, and this asshole came along and just destroyed all of that. Yeah, you know? and and the most beautiful thing happens. 
like I literally laughed and cried at the same time when Drax when you realize that Drax understands the kids like yeah. and you just knew what was going to happen at that point like you knew it was like it, it's like the whole thing of like connecting the dots right and it's just like and then that ending moment with him and the kids and because it's been it's a build up that you don't even realize is a build up that's how good Sean or, or that's how good James Gunn is like he starts off with a joke in um I think it's part it's part two like he you know, like like it's something that he talks about in the first one about music and not in, in like not being uh, melodic yeah. and then he like and then it opens up even more they about, bring like, it back you know, his the wife. beginning of the third one because yes. uh, uh they're dancing and uh mantis is like come on Drax, dance and she's like he says only idiots dance <laughs> dance but then the most wonderful thing about the movie like happens and he starts dancing during dog days. Like that, that song is going to be forever. Like it's going to be ruined for me because it's so like that moment. It's weird how the movie, like all of the movies kind of start with, start with an end with like musical notes, right? Like they're not musicals, but they're kind of musical moments, right? Yeah. Like the first one, uh, I mean, I love the first ones, like, you know, Redbone, Come and Get Your Love, so much that it became, like, like I have a, like, a, we have a video of our wedding, and it's all set to Come and Get Your Love, because I love that song so dearly. It's such uh, yeah. a joy of celebration. It's impossible right? to hear that song without doing that now, like, without doing yes. Peter's, like, <laughs> you know, crazy, you know, like, it's it's so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> synonymous with that now like it, it is exactly. it is insane and, and i do think affectionately that the first soundtrack is probably my favorite but like this this one is so good and spencer and i were talking about this and we're talking about the music specifically literally on my drive home from chattanooga i stopped in target saw the vinyl for volume three oh, and vinyl? <laughs> Fucking um, a, dude. Fucking a. Um, but like, I don't know. Okay, so like, but this I, is I Rocket like, soundtrack, this, right? The yes, volume one and volume rock. two are Peter soundtracks, which mm -hmm. is fine. And not that this isn't Peter's music, but like, this isn't a mixtape his mom made for him. This is a mixtape his, you know, we're talking about fathers, like his surrogate yeah. father made, you know, got him this. Um, oh God! Speak, oh, okay. Side note: that moment between uh, Kragen, yeah, and like that fucking hit me hard because it's like again the whole thing of fathers that we make and fathers that like Kraglin never had that moment, but and, like oh man, I, I'm gonna get all like because it's just like it's that moment where he's a joke for so long. And then you give him that moment and he soars. Like, I don't know, like, dude, like that moment. Like, I didn't even realize he was in the movie. Like, yeah. I had no idea. And then Rooker comes in like a fucking genius and has no lines. And all he does is smile. Yeah. But it's that smile and James Gunn, or, and Sean Gunn as Craglin. Use your man. heart, but I, it sounds like yeah. It, oh, it's yeah, that's taken, right. it might be taken from... Uh, another movie. I, I'm really curious about the Rooker scene because here's the thing: like, not to get too like behind the scenes about it. 
that's a lot of makeup for that dude. A lot. It is. Like it, it like it's a it's a process. And so do you sit in a makeup now, would Rooker do it for James Gunn? One hundred percent. But do you ask yes. this dude to come in, sit in a makeup chair, to stand there, say a line that I'm pretty sure we've heard him say in another movie? Or do you, or is this just a superimposed Michael Rooker? You pay him like a, a small fee for using his likeness, and that's just uh, a shot you superimpose from another movie. It doesn't matter to me either way. I'm just really interested yeah. in like, would Rooker do it? Yes. It? Would James Gunn yeah. ask him to do it? Yes. But like, do you, like, just from a like, we love these people. Would we make them go through that just for this one thing? Like, I'm very, very curious about it. And I, I haven't really done any digging online, but I'm sure Rooker at some point will come out and be like, oh, yeah, I came in for the day, sat in a makeup chair for 14 hours and then <laughs> filmed for a minute and a half. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, and I, I actually think that, that, like, I mean, we forget, like, as Kevin Smith during his commentary for um, uh, Mallrats loves to remind us, this is Michael Henry portrait of a serial killer Rooker. Like this is fucking, this is the Rook man. Like I almost think like, I mean, he's in like, he's in like, if, if you get him, if he's in with you, he's fucking he, in with you. Like he's exactly. ride or die. Like he, there is, he is one of those fucking people. If if you are if he's down with you, like if you ask him to do something, he'll fucking be there. Like he is a, like astounding in that way. Like I remember, um, because uh, he was in the first, and they they kill him off pretty early, right? And yeah. very early. Uh, like years later. The, they have this there's a there's an episode where daryl's going through like uh what but he's having like all these uh flashes of things and like okay. rooker comes in for like not even to sh you know i mean he might have already been in atlanta because who knows like he could have been filming something for guardians but like he yeah. still comes in like why because like that that's norman reedus that's his brother yeah. Uh, That's his like, dude. oh, you That's need me to come do this for yeah. Norman? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, he's amazing. And I I desperately want to hear him talk about this specific scene. <laughs> Just even though it's only 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. But it makes like it's it, like it's it's the importance of it. Like it's in context. And like I feel like like Nobody like nobody's gonna fuck with Yondu and his kind of like arc unless Rook is involved. Like, like that's the honest feeling I feel like because yeah, like you watch Guardians two and regardless of what you think of it, like Rook Rooker is like he's the MVP of that of that movie. Like he's given a role that he hasn't had since his like you know since his like you know indie days. And it's beautiful and it's great. And he gets the joke. He gets like, like the thing is, is that he understands that I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, is not a joke. 
for Yondu, it is not a joke. Even though for everybody else, it's a joke. He understands the whole thing of like the Drax thing, where like I feel like I love Batista as Drax because Batista understands that Drax isn't funny. Drax, when he thinks he's funny, is not funny, even though he is kind of funny. <laughs> a fish comes out of my butt. I know, I know, metaphor. yeah, I know. Metaphors so much. like. I made a poop that looked like a fish. Even my butt fish. is good at metaphors. Metaphors? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's just like, but like, the, like he understands that that's not Drax making a joke. That like the same way that Rook understands Mary Poppins, y'all, is not a joke. Like to, because like, you know, he doesn't know that Mary Poppins isn't a, like, it is like a, is Julie Andrews, right? Um, but, it's like that geniusness of it, right? Like even like him doing the voice of Yondu in the in the Christmas special, like in the animated sections. It's like he didn't have to do that, but he did. He comes like you know he He's, always he comes, comes in for the what if stuff too. Yeah, the what, the what if, if stuff like he yeah yeah. Um, and it's just kind of it like oh god, man, you 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 made me feels again because like I think about the uh, like the alt Star Lord. Like, like, and and Chad, and what could have been, like, because you know that, like, you know, there's a point in the multiverse of Mad, like, in the multiverse that you could have had a Guardians 4 where Chad is fucking the best, like, because, like, he's the best version of Star-Lord, and that's the saddest part about Yeah, (laughs) really. You're not wrong. Um, So, Um, you brought up Sean Gunn. I want to talk about Sean Gunn. Um, I don't... I know people that know, know, but people that don't know are completely, completely unaware that secret fucking success of Guardians of the Galaxy. The dude, not just Craglin. Craglin's love that Sean Gunn is absolutely down to be the Barney Fife of the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. Like, it's so fucking, like, that last scene where he's just, like, doing the post-credits thing where he's like, I got this, yeah. y'all can stay. It's so fucking Barney Fife that, I, like, I can't. I've seen it three times, and every time I'm like, Don Knotts would have played this part if they'd have made this movie in 1950. <laughs> they totally um, would have. Uh, they, and they totally like he does, have. like he's got his like back arch and his belly poking out and like like you know just it's so good but he's also Bradley Bradley Cooper does a sure. fantastic yep. fucking job as the voice of Rocket but Bradley Cooper is not Rocket Rocket is Sean Gunn that whole yep. physical performance is Sean Gunn. And it's it's so fucking good, man. Like, and not only that, but the young voice of Rocket in this is Sean Gunn. It's not Bradley Cooper. Yeah, that that's something that they they kind of talked about um, when I saw this the the um, behind the scenes footage. And but like like all like there's three parties involved with this like performance that all should be praised is Bradley Cooper for the through line. Right. But also 
but also Sean Gunn for the physical through line because he was he was Rocket in all three movies. Like he he plays the like if you see the behind the scenes footage, you see him you see him like you know going through them like you know like like scratch down doing the lines doing the performance and then of course um the special effects artists at ILM ILM was specifically the people that did that did this work for rocket like like they like they did a lot of the character work um i guess from what i understand um and man like has, like like you know just kind of talking about like the 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 baby like how good were the effects? Like, like they aren't uh, real, uh, uh, but they're dude, emotional. That's the thing, man. Like, so I do like Ant Man, uh, Quantum Mania. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's yeah. a perfectly fine movie, but like, much like the prequels, especially Phantom Menace, like there's so much of it, like it does not feel real. Like, there's no there's, There's just no something, yeah, something missing to it, and it there's there's none of that here. There's, I mean, almost none of that here. Like, I maybe I don't know. I I've seen it three times. Like, and uh, that feels a little too unrealistic. Like, very clearly CGI'd environment. Nothing's real on screen except for you know the people um mm-hmm. and i i don't i don't feel like there's anything in this movie you think going to the orgo corp planet it would be like oh this is like you think it would feel like quantum mania and it doesn't no it feels sticky and gross and everything that you would think that a that a like living organism like like structure is right like it's gooey it feels weird it looks weird but it's exactly what you would expect it to be um the the character work though man like lila teeth's floor oh god i mean i i I don't want to talk about teeth's or lila or floor (laughs) like i just i don't know if i can man like yeah Floor Teeth's Rocket Go Now is, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get that out of my fucking head. <laughs> and it wrecks me. <laughs> oh my god. Like, well, like, the, the, the Harry Potter heaven? Jesus Christ. Like, I was in tears, dude. Like, I was literally in tears. Linda Cardellini, you fucking, you come in like was, the ghost that you are. Yeah. I was like, her name's in the opening credits and I was like, why the fuck is Hawkeye's wife in this movie? Because <laughs> that's who she is in the MCU. Yes. Like, but the minute uh, Lila started Linda Cardellini to be the voice of you know? I mean, it's yeah. weird. It's, she's not the first person, but like, it's still kind of like I, I know her well enough to, like, if her name was would have been like oh shit that's linda cardellini um but uh but yeah it was so funny in the the opening credits the first time i saw it i was just like i was sitting there i was like is hawkeye gonna be in this like did jeremy renner film in the trailer it kind of yeah. looks like they're on earth of course they're not on earth they're on counter earth yeah. um 
want to talk about Counter Earth. Um, you were talking about the special effects, so that's a good, like, what a blend of like digital and practical effects. Like oh Counter Earth, they, there's so much going on there for something we don't spend five minutes. No, not at all. Not like, and it's all like, okay, so like, this is James Gunn at his best world building, giving us something that, like, so like, he uses the Atlanta suburbs. You know that he does because if you've ever been to Atlanta, you know those certain specific type of track homes. And it kind of imbues this thing with like a reality that is so weird, but like the practical effects. Jesus Christ, like every every creature in that city, like in that world that we see, there's no like it's like beautiful next level effects. It, like some of the stuff that they have in the background is hero level stuff in other movies. And but it's all like a part of the milieu that makes it like this great thing of where it makes the story stronger when you have that level of detail, right? Because then it makes the high evolutionary like like his like it makes his I, like work so I was sad that they they blew it up man i was like fuck well, i was, yeah, was hoping counter earth would be like a place that we would get to visit somewhere down the line you know um, yeah well like but, nowhere like like nowhere where yeah. it becomes a part of like and and that's something that i've really loved about the gardens like behind the scenes is like they they've made nowhere their base of operations and it's become this hub for them and right like like that's the kind of beautiful thing about uh nowhere what it's becoming again guardians holiday special for the win if you haven't seen it it would really help you with this whole thing with nowhere. That is the one thing that I think uh, they kind of fail with. So I, I think it's great, but because what we do see of them living in nowhere is so small mm -hmm. and very, very much a, just a studio. Um, when it's hard to juxtapose that against the, the nowhere is the size of a like not a planet but like maybe Pluto, you a, know, it's huge, and we are seeing like a very very tiny, like it's like seeing one street in a city the size. No, you're just seeing the one street. You know, it's so much bigger than that. Um, and it, it gets hard to kind of reconcile that. Like when the, the yeah. creatures like break into the skull and like flood the, it's just like, oh, like you kind of does this like, but it's giant, but this space looks so small. <laughs> no, you're, you're um, you know what, now that I think about it, like that first, that first time that we go into nowhere in the first movie where the Bowie's track is playing, and how yeah. much, like how massive. far they have to go? Exactly. Yeah. And now it feels like, like you said, like it feels like a TV set. Which, fair enough. I didn't think about that when I was watching it, um, uh, because like it goes up against the high evolutionaries, um, 
not planet thing, but it like the scale at which his uh, Death Star. <laughs> this yeah, his this Death movie Star. is re- this movie is Return of the Jedi. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, and cute animals like, and everything. <laughs> Except for, you know, people aren't going to come to hate these animals um, the way that they did with with the Ewoks, which I'm still always clueless about. I'm like, why again? Yeah, I hate? love the Ewoks, man. Like, whatever. Seriously, yeah, fuck you if you can't like the Ewoks. I was I was actually just watching um, Jedi last night um, because I did the trilogy for my forty uh, fifth. And uh, yeah, you know, um, I love I love the Jedi. I love the I love the Ewoks. Fuck anybody who doesn't like them because you know, then they weren't made for you, and you don't have a right to complain about this. But anywho, uh, <laughs> yeah, like like um, like going back to the the soundtrack. I'm sorry, we I got us off course with this whole thing. Um, like I kind of like because this stuff is like stuff that I listened to in my twenties. It became this whole yeah. thing of like. Okay, like now you got me. Like the first two were things that I like, and I don't mean this in the in a bad way. They were my dad's music, right? Like because yep. it was seventies stuff, seventies and some eighties stuff. But this stuff, like even like the older stuff, like Heart, like that shit was like eighties. Like that shit was like popular in the eighties, right? Like I love that moment, like having the Heart song while fucking uh, when you when you first meet Adam Warlock. It's kind of like perfect. Right, um, but like Creep, the opening, uh, like the acoustic version of Creep, kind of like is the perfect rocket song, right? Like it's it, like you yeah. said, it's rockets, um, it's rocket soundtrack. It's not, it's not Peter's soundtrack, which makes it all the better, I guess. Like at least to me, it does. Like because it gives you a, this is a very different soundtrack than the first two, but it makes sense because. Rocket. Rocket would have different tastes than Peter would. Even though some things probably are universally the same. Like, I don't expect um, Rocket to like Space Hog. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris, uh, like um, Star-Lord to like, um, like Space Hog or any of the shit that's in this. Well, yeah, there, but there's like the Earth, Wind, and Fire song, right? That feels more oh, like... yeah. Like, uh, more like a Star-Lord, like a throwback to the first two soundtracks. Um, you yes. know, those are like peppered in there. Um, but even something like Badlands, which doesn't feature in the movie, it's in the credits. But um, like that's uh, that's kind of like this blend of like it's Springsteen, but it's not like yeah. it's Springsteen for people that love Springsteen. Like it's yes. not Glory Days or you know <laughs> some or one of his like major major hits. Um, it, it's, a it's a Springsteen lover's Springsteen song, which would probably fall more in line with like Rocket and less in line with like Peter. Um, Peter True. would probably have something like Glory Days or, uh, you know, one of, one of the bigger hits, uh, uh, Born to Run would probably be Peter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it's such a good mix of things. Awesome mix. <laughs> Appropriately titled. 
sorry about that. I don't know what the heck happened. I just note the time and <laughs> we'll cut that out. But shit. Um, <laughs> I literally don't know what happened. Um, so, but anywho, um, no, you're right. Like, like, like that's kind of like the weird kind of subtlety of it, right? Like, because like you said, Badlands is a Springsteen fan's like version of like, like their favorite song, not Glory Days or Born in the USA or anything like that. That would be a Star Lord's choice. Like it's kind of like like you look at Rocket and go, yeah, he's a total like he's totally a Springsteen fan. He's totally like all of the choices when you look at that volume three are Rocket like like makes sense if you were if you were to look and go okay so what is the mix on the and let, let's be honest it's kind of hilarious that they're using a um uh a windows uh, what, what was what were those things the mp3 players that windows uh released uh and not an ipad a zoom yeah and and not and not a and not an ipad or um an ipod i i love that i just love that the 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 mechanism that they're using is not, not an Apple-based product. Like you gotta kinda you kinda kinda love that, that they're using something that is basically a tossed away product. Yeah. Um, but uh the music is just so like it's it's very like what like was now, your favorite like, needle? Um good lord. Um Hmm. I think that Dog Days, just because it was so unexpected. Like, so here's the thing. I think that we kind of talked about it, but I didn't really, I really didn't, um, I really didn't say it, but I didn't look like, like they started dropping that fucking thing like two weeks ago. And I'm like, I don't want to know. I want to be surprised yeah. by the needle drops. Um, and I certainly was because oh man, like, talk about, like, different... I, we Care A Lot is so... It's so fucking good. Oh, good lord. That was hilarious. Like, and so unexpected, like, you know, Faith No More? Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't... Does not get a lot of play. <laughs> no, does not. Um, but you also cannot, like, you cannot understate, like, so, in the grand scheme of things, I think that Thankfully, Sabotage has been wiped off the earth as the du jour go-to action I, song. I love Sabotage. I do agree that it got to a point where it was overused. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I think No Sleep to Brooklyn is now like fast approaching that level because literally in two Chris Pratt movies inside of a month, we have a No Sleep to Brooklyn needle drop. <laughs> exactly. Though I will say this one is so it's much so fucking good. Look, hallway fight scenes are great, man. I know everyone, yeah. everybody wants to try to one up somebody. Like I appreciate almost all of the ones we've gotten. I think we can just stop now, man, because I don't know how the fuck anybody is ever going to do. Like, the only thing you can do is go minimalistic the opposite way of James Gunn. Yes. There's so much going on in this hallway fight. And, like, you could watch this thing 50 times and 
probably still not get every little thing that's happening. It's so well-timed. So the first time I watched it, I was just floored. By the third time I'm watching it, I all I could think about was like watching Michael Bay's Transformers movies and how <laughs> the fight scenes were like so fucking just chaotic. Yeah, and stupid, and you couldn't tell what was going. And this thing is so fluid, so functional, so fun and funny and brilliant and just gruesome and it's every fucking thing and it's perfect it is fucking perfect man it really is like it's it's the like it's what you like like there has to be a conversation now about like you know people continue to think like I feel like you have to prove yourself if you want to do needle drops. And James Gunn has proven that he is like an elite level needle dropper because he cares as much as Scorsese does about the context in which you use the song, the rhythm. And here's the most important part. Even though it's a single shot that they shoot it, it's still because it's heavily CGI'd and it's connecting over things. It's perfectly timed. So it's edited to perfection. Like anything, any any of the needle drops are edited perfectly, perfectly rhythm rhythmically, but also narratively to match the story. And I feel like there's very few people that can do that well, even though they think they can. It's like no, you don't just drop a fucking Rolling Stone. Like I I said before, fuck a fuck a person who tries to use a Rolling Stone tune, especially anyone that like Scorsese has used like thirty times. Um, and thankfully, like, if there's one thing I can say about James Gunn is that if you, if you look at the, the three volumes of, of musical, no Rolling like, Stones mu- songs, no Rolling, <laughs> no ro- Rolling Stones. Um, but again, we have to kind of go to, we have to go to James Gunn and go, man, like he's doing like that kind of level of, of, um, like musical IQ, like his musical IQ when it comes to like putting it into film is like better than 99% of the filmmakers out there. And the only other 1% is Scorsese, like literally Scorsese and then him. Like they're the, they're the guys that like, if I see it, if I see that they're going to have like a contemporary soundtrack, I'm not going to worry about it. Right. Like, whereas everybody else, I'm like, oh, really, you really got to do this. Okay. Let's see. Let's see what Rolling Stone song you're going to put in during the drug deal. Yeah, I'm, I am I have very particular taste when it comes to, like, these kinds of things. I get tired of things happening over and over and over again. Um, yeah. But, yeah, dude, like, it's, it's a great, like, it's a great soundtrack. But the reason why it makes it great and the reason why, like, it's the thing that we love about Quentin, right, is that gives you context to love it even more. So like when you're listening to the soundtrack, you're replaying the moment in your head. Like, yeah. like that, like, like it, it, it hits that weird lizard brain thing where like emotions and like art and memory come and join together. And it's the same thing that Scorsese does. Like, like I, I hear a Rolling Stone track and most of the time I'm associating with Goodfellas or Casino or Mean Streets because it's yeah. all in like, you know, their greatest hits are all in that, in those fucking movies. But 
it's not a bad thing, right? Like to me, that's not a bad thing. It's actually kind of like the greatest thing that you can do as a director if you're really using music is ingrain it so much. Like No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Now I'm only gonna think of like of like the various the various guardians doing badassery in slow motion. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's it's Drax laughing as he's destroying things or Mantis kicking ass, which is kind of like. Can we just talk about like for like one second? Like we didn't, we've never like like through the whole first like the, for the second one, we didn't really see Mantis do anything. But then you don't realize how her, powerful she is, man. Like it, it's yes. super like in uh, the Orgo Corp headquarters, or she's like, mm-hmm. "You're a kitty. Like you just want to dance." And then she touches that lightning, and she goes. <laughs> She says, like, unbridled rage. That's not what it is. It's something like that. And that, uh, it's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, this is, you know, it's like, it's very Star Wars-y in that, like, you're like, oh, uh, you see Anakin, you're like, this kid is the most powerful. (laughs) When you see him really do something, you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now this is pass racing. Now, Now this is pod racing. Uh, shut the fuck up, kid. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking um, about. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's a weird like to go from that mantis in the and, and part of it is the the relationship, right? Like she talks about it at the end yeah. of the movie. She's like, I've only ever done what I thought other people wanted or needed me to do. You know, I did what ego wanted, and then I did what was best for the guardians, and I have no idea what's best for me, and doesn't even she doesn't even realize what she's capable of because she's never yeah. you know she's only ever done it used her powers in use for someone else not for herself you know um that that moment with her and Drax where she's defending him like it's so it's so like sweet but sad and it, like it's just it gets me man it's like you think I'm dumb? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like I love that. I like I love the 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 unfiltered like like this is the way that somebody would respond if they were asked something like that. Um about about everything in the Guardians. Like like it's because you don't necessarily like the problem is is that you're like Here's the problem with most MCU movies or most comic book movies that the elite level don't have, which is, is that, like, in it's whenever there's a response, it's a response that is necessary for the plot. James Gunn finds a way to make responses to questions that move the plot along, but are character-based still completely character-based and still manages to move the the plot along but also makes comment that yes we're in the real world and real world reactions happen like you know the inappropriate comments the asides the the things that you would expect somebody to say but aren't necessarily said in movies that are all about plot like transformers is the perfect example of that like there's not a line in a Transformers movie that isn't for theme or plot. Like, it's just, yeah. there isn't. Um, 
like, and I know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm just talking about genre movies in general. And the special ones are the ones that, like James Gunn, like James Gunn cares enough. Like, like the fucking song says, we care a lot, right? He cares a lot about this stuff and gives you stuff that you think, like most people will think offhandedly, oh, that's funny and entertaining, ha ha ha. But guys like us, like when we're thinking about these things, when we're talking about these things, it's the stuff that matters because it's the difference between, it's the, like, I, I hate saying this, but it's the difference between Wakanda Forever and and Guardians 3. Because Guardian, like, Wakanda Forever is so tied to an event and is so tied to plot to, to shift that over. But there's no, like, for me, the problem for me with, with that movie is that, that there's no elegance in it. There's yeah. just blunt, it's just blunt trauma, right? Like, oh, I, I had a traumatic event, so I'm going to talk about it in a very blunt way. I mean, um, and I'm not trying to, like, discount the movie, but if you're wanting an honest opinion and you're wanting a clear-eyed point of view for me, it's the fact that there, there is no grace or, like, intelligence into the way that it's done and integrated fully. Like, it should have been, like, okay, so, like, Black Panther 2 should have been a fucking Bergman movie, but it's not. Because if you're yeah. going to deal with grief, Go all the way. Deal with grief. Like, like they're dealing it, with trauma in this movie, and they go all the way. Yeah, it's trying to have its cake and and eat it too, and not be too, like, too he- like it's like try to get all the heavy out at the beginning and just yeah. Spark. Whereas this movie is just like, nope, we're gonna give you some heavy heavy shit, then we're gonna do some fun shit, then we're gonna give you some heavy heavy shit, then we're gonna do some fun shit. Uh, Black Panther like tries to be too try it does try to get too far away from like the emotion of it all. Um, which maybe yeah. it's because everybody involved is just too close to it and they don't want to dwell on it. And you know, uh, whereas uh, not putting anything on James Gunn, but I feel like these movies are very very personal for him. I, I don't know if it's because of his relationship with his father or this idea of found family, like that he kind of learned through his indie cinema roots, which, you know, shit like that goes all the way back to Ed Wood, um, you know, who was like that kind of like, if you watch the movie, Ed Wood, that's what that's about is like found family, yes. you know, exactly. And, but it, like Gunn has had a lot more time to like learn how to cinematically express that stuff, and you know, not that Ryan Coogler can't do that because you can just watch uh, Fruitvale Station, and like that's the thing, right? Like if yeah, if Black Panther Wakanda Forever were more like in the vein of like Fruitvale Station, which I know Marvel and Disney don't necessarily want, but if it were more in that vein and like carried that heavy stuff with it all the time, it would be a movie that we would still be talking about. Well, not a movie we were, we had basically from the jump just being like, well, you know, they did what they could because they kind of got handed some bad circumstances, you know, it just, it, it didn't, 
it's not a it's not a perfect movie. I still think it's a fine movie. It's just not just like yeah. Ant-Man. It's just not a perfect movie. It like nobody involved. It seems like it's at some point that all the main people involved were just like, well, you know, we did the best with what we had and we're just going to put this out there where this feels more like uh, like this movie did not get released. There, I don't think there's anything there. There's maybe some plot stuff that's undercooked in this movie, like some of uh, the high evolutionaries idea. You think them through like don't logically make a lot of sense like yeah the big one is why is he blowing up the planet when he is not a hundred percent certain that he even has rocket like he has that calm from war pig going i've got rocket i've got p whatever uh yeah p185 or something yeah but yeah and so the whole thing is a mission for him to get Rocket back, and he blows up the planet without actually laying eyes on rockets. That's a Which little is... undercooked. <laughs> but... Yes. <laughs> yes, um, it, and it—it's like you said, it's one of those things that pushes the plot forward, but yep. it's something you kind of like. You understand that. Sometimes it's not something you haven't seen in a hundred fucking James Bond movies, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, exactly. why is the villain doing this? This makes no sense. Um, but, uh, so I, I, let's talk about the high evolutionary. Okay. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've seen divisive opinions about of people going, this is top tier Marvel villain. And people going, this is way over the top, bottom level Marvel villain. And I'm curious where you fall. Um, he's, so I feel like, okay, so like to talk about this, you kind of have to talk about um, what you feel is evil in the world. And I find nothing more insipid and evil than animal testing. Like, it's literally the shit that... <laughs> If you if you want to get me riled up, go ahead and talk to me about animal testing and cosmetic testing. And like, you know, you'll see why I have these opinions about things that I don't necessarily say out loud, but it's like these things of like, like, you know, making sure my wife understands that I don't I don't want like, you know, I don't need like makeup on her all the time to like recognize that she's beautiful. And I know that sounds stupid, but when you realize what what humanity does for beauty and the for the sake at the consequences of animals that have no per, no way to fight back against the horridness, like that's purely insipid evil. And for me, like the high evolutionary is top tier, if if not one of the best villains that Marvel has ever concocted in their cinematic universe like it's like it's so it, the cruelty and the like the psychoticness of it is wildly over the top but it hits you like especially if you're an animal person it hits you in the right way because you know that these are the kinds of people that are out there doing this kind of fucking shit in the name of science you know 
And so, yeah, he's I, like, it's all I agree. Same. Like, I, I think, I think he's right up there with Killmonger. Uh, uh, um, Thanos, of course. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think he's right there in like top five. Um, and so the other question is, do you think he's dead? Did he make it off? I oh, okay. So here's a here's the thing where you absolutely like it's like okay so like what do we talk about marvel deep state or like let's have that conversation because so the big the big the big elephant in the room right now is what are they going to do with kane and i think that there's something brilliant that you said to me which makes me feel like absolutely he survived um because you could very easily this guy like man he's so good like the performance is so beautifully wicked and evil and everything that you would want in a villain. And it seems like a waste to take the high evolutionary and have him as a one-off. You made the suggestion that if they did need to recast Kane, that why not make him one of the variants? Because here's the thing is that here's the big thing for me is that when I love what they allow them to do in a PG-13 movie, which I don't know how they got away with it, which is the unmasking the, the face? of the truth. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> that's some fuck. That's that some, was that's some zombie face or, or not like just like oh my god, this is gruesome. <laughs> yes, super fucking disgusting, right? Like, but like it's almost like you like. This is an opportunity for them to, like, if they need to, or if they want to, that they could very easily, like, plug and play, because the High Evolutionary feels like, that feels like what he's doing, even though it's, it's, it's his own character, and, like, it's its own thing, it feels like the kind of shit that King would do, like a variant well, of he, King would do. He talks about, in the movie... Uh, we've been like, like something we've been experimenting, trying to do for thousands of years or whatever. Yes. He, he very much talks about himself as if he's been living for a very, 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 very long time. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I, you know, yeah, it'll take a little like retconning and, but I mean, Honestly, the Kang stuff in the comics is all retcon. Like half of the the versions of Kang that you know in the comics originally weren't fucking Kang. <laughs> like yeah. just, they retconned it into being like, oh, this was also Kang. You know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, like all all the Fantastic Four shit is all like yeah. retcon shit. Like yeah. So. Um, so- I don't I I think it's very very possible. I, I don't know why they wouldn't I I, I, under, I understand like not pulling the plug on Jonathan Majors just yet. Like it, yes. it is a very tough situation. Like you know I think Disney is is gun shy from they're, they they fired James Gunn, had to walk that back. Oh, yeah. They fired Johnny Depp and somewhat had to kind of walk that back, even though, like, it's like, oh, yeah, it turns out they were both just terrible people. Um, but, 
it was still maybe they think probably a little premature on their part of just cutting ties with him over bad press um, in a situation that hadn't fully come to light. So I understand them not wanting to just be like, oh, yeah, we're done with Jonathan Majors. Um, Mm -hmm. I get it. But at some point, like, how how quickly is this thing going to go to trial? How quickly are we going to get to see, like, these people take the stands and give their testimonies? And, like, it could be a, a year or more. And so how long are you willing to wait is the question. Yes. Oh, and, like, I know this sounds terrible, but, like, we're in the middle of a WGA strike that sounds like it's mm-hmm. not going anywhere any fucking time soon as it shouldn't unless the fucking the writers get what they want and so most of the productions right now <clears throat> and this is like okay so let's talk so about the they can wait Bob right Iger. now they can yes. wait right now <laughs> exactly exactly genius of bob Iger slowing down everything that was released because he probably saw the writing mm-hmm. on the wall and said there's going to be months where we're not going to have content. Why are we going to release everything all at the same time? Um, yeah. Hence why we had the slowdown. But also, like, I feel like they have the time to figure it out. And it sounds like, again, like, it, it all comes down to money. Because, like, Disney is having, like, because, like, the rumor is, is that they're doing another, they're doing another Pirates movie. They canceled Margaret Robies so that they could do a Johnny Depp one. But yep. the thing is, is that they're paying the piper now. Like, Johnny does not want to come back. And so they're having to pay, pay him a king's ransom. More, from what I understand, it the it's going to be the Scrooge McDuck, Robert Downey Jr., fucking Harrison Ford, <laughs> dump truck of gold that they're going to yeah. have to pay him. All, all because they dropped him immediately. Um, and the public was like, oh... Johnny Depp, you're not a wife abuser, but you kind of are. But, you know, we think that your wife is worse than you because she shit she shit on your bed. Um, So we like you again. It's, yeah. It's such a complicated I mean, thing, man. Like, so. This is. Just. Personal standpoint. I, I have a sister who. Of just horrible things. It's an alcohol and. Um, she's a very abusive person and mm-hmm. every relationship she's ever been in has been an abusive relationship. And for a very, very long time, like I had seen it from both sides. Like I would see, yeah, I'd been in the room where she was being physically abusive to somebody who was then physically abusive back to her, which is a tough thing to see. But my, my dad, yeah. her, Nobody should ever be physically abusive to his daughter. And he would get really appropriately indignant about it. But the mm-hmm. thing about it is, is like, I, I've seen it. I've seen her, like, walk into a room, lay into somebody, and just start throwing shit at them. With no, <laughs> like, and it's like, okay, should this person have fought back? Maybe not. But, like, it's also, like, these are two toxic people who do not know how to, like, communicate appropriately when they're angry. And so that leads to two people doing, and 
you know, that's the Johnny Depp situation. He's toxic. Yep. She's toxic. These two things meet, and it's just like they're just going to abuse each other, which honestly, this sounds shitty. That's fucking fine as long as you keep the rest of us out of it. <laughs> like, if that's the way you want to live yeah. your life, then fine. But leave everybody else fucking out of it. Don't report it to the press. Don't. But it's the minute that somebody tries to use that to, which is, you know, in fairness to Johnny Depp, does kind of seem to be what she was, what Amber Heard was doing, trying to use this to like garner sympathy for herself. Um, yeah. And so it had to become this whole court case of like parading, like, Look at all the nasty shit we both did to each other out in the open. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's a very, very difficult thing. I Who's to fucking say that the John of the Majors thing isn't similar? Does it make him a yeah. okay person? No, because I still think Johnny Depp's a piece of shit. But it, 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 all, it just means he's a toxic person in a toxic relationship. And, like, is he at fault? Yes, but the other person could just be equally his fault and in that case i tend to be one of those people's like well you both need to go get therapy and not be in relationships for a while and just like i i don't think it's uh like you shouldn't you know you should never if that's the case like i don't think johnny Depp should never work again you know it's my choice. Okay, like, like that's the thing is where it becomes a choice. Like, it's my choice whether or not I want to see these people on, on screen, right? Like, I don't have to pay money to go see them. I don't have to pay anything. Right. I don't have to pay them I mean, in I my won't. mind. <laughs> I'm not going to see yeah. another pirate movie. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, like, you know, regardless of, like, you know, Johnny Depp being a shitty human being. Yeah, they're just I still, probably still wouldn't, still wouldn't go see another one. <laughs> But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even if it fucking had Margaret Roby in it, I'd be like, nah, fuck that. They're yeah. fucking terrible. Yeah. Like they, right. they've managed to screw the. Yeah, I'm good. I've seen enough fucking pirates movies to last my life. Um, you know, if I want to watch it again, I'll watch fucking, I'll watch Cutthroat Island or whatever the hell the the Rennie Harlan fucking massive POS is. Um, but yeah, like I mean, ultimately, I feel like that's actually like you know going back to like what we were talking about the high evolutionary. To get rid of somebody who's so wickedly good at being bad does a disservice to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially because everybody always says the biggest complaint is is that, like you know, they have a they have a bad guy problem, even though they don't. Um, it's just that not so much know, some, anymore. For for Phase yeah. Two, they really did have a bad guy problem. It was like, oh, they what the fuck, fuck man. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly, all of these villains um, suck. <laughs> Malekith, the okay, dark so elf. Like, this is terrible. Like, are are we gonna get a situation like in the Star Trek universe where evens and odds are bad? Like, where like <laughs> like in Star Trek, it's the evens that are good and the odds that are bad. Um, well, is I don't it gonna, know because the opposite way with. Well, yeah. So we're in phase five now, right? Yeah. We're okay, in phase, so we're officially phase, in phase five. Phase two we're at wasn't the end great. Of phase four. Phase Four yeah. wasn't great. I think Ant Man was. A, they said officially the kickoff for Phase Five. So, yes. so yeah, maybe you're right. So yeah, we'll get the the uh, odds are good phases in the e Phase Six is gonna <laughs> suck. <laughs> oh man, but that doesn't like. I mean, well, at least we got five where like you know 
Secret Wars and all that stuff will be will be will be good. I'm, I guess I don't know. Like, even is if Fantastic Four like, going to be Phase Six? Because I don't want that to suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I honestly don't know. Like, there's been so many co- like recontextualizations of this shit. Like, like honestly, like I don't even know what's ha- like. Are we gonna get the King Dynasty? Are we gonna get yeah, Secret Wars? I, I, I don't. I don't think we're, get, we're gonna get. I don't think we're gonna get a Blade movie. <laughs> I really don't oh, think that's geez. ever gonna happen. Well, you heard. You heard that. Like, uh, you heard who? Like, the rumor is that Mia Goth is playing, right? Uh, no. Um, Mia Goth. Like the 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 um the rumor is uh. It's all going to be leading to a, a Midnight Suns um, movie, okay. uh, and so she's um, Lilith. Okay. And I mean, I would love it's that. All, like she's she's a main bad. She's the main bad guy of like. So like, part of the problem is, I guess, is that they did not. I mean, you know, like we said, like the like the strike actually stopped. Uh, Blade from going into production in July. Uh, that's the rumor because they were still trying to rework the script. Yeah, exactly. So it's they, not they haven't. Like, that's been the hold up for fucking ever. Every time they get a script that like Feige and Disney like, the director's just like, nah. And then they got to find another director, and that director like wants to add stuff to the script, and then they go back and forth, and then like it's happened three times, and now we have the strike and. You know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, not to change it completely off of Guardians, but, I mean, I don't know, man, I'm with you. This strike is five months. Like, the thing about it is the studios have enough backlog content at this point that, like, it's not, it's not what it was the last time the writer's strike yeah. happened where network TV was something we don't have any content network yeah. TV is not a thing anymore is <laughs> um, but like not to that extent you know everything streaming mm-hmm. and these streaming services have so much like shit that was already in the pipeline are produced and just has not been released or like that mm-hmm. I mean it could be five six months before they're even willing to like negotiate and yeah yeah i i don't know it might suck it might be okay i it's fair for them like i don't care how long it takes like you texted me this we got plenty of shit to watch that we haven't seen that we can catch up on so you know that's fine um, there's a shit ton of fucking movies in the last 10 years that I just have not seen. <laughs> so <laughs> Exactly. And TV shows too. Like I have so much, I have so much content. I'm like, you know, go writers. Like you deserve a, yeah. a, 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 a living wage. Like you really honestly do like to find out what, like what the streamers have been doing. Oh, I've heard like, and like, this is a really weird thing. You know who the main holdout is because they had a deal and Netflix. it all crumbled. Yep. Yep, Netflix. Like that tells you how insipidly evil they are. Like if they're not willing to pay, like they're making billions off of shit, right? And if they're not willing to give the main creators of a film, like 
or, or a TV series. Like you don't get like you don't you don't get anything. What you're gonna do GPT chat to create a fucking uh, a, a, a script? Are you fucking kidding me? Like like I I love how like everybody is like oh AI AI AI. But, like, the first thing, everything that happens with AI is always bad. Like, have you ever noticed that? Like, it's like, it's like yeah. movies come true, right? Like, like, all of this stuff, like, all of this GPT chat about how, like, if you talk to it and you ask it questions about humanity, it very apparently hates humanity. Um, oh, yeah, like, very quickly. It becomes, like, yeah, racist, uh, sexist, homophobic. Like, it just it becomes the worst parts. <laughs> It's just like, oh, so yeah, wait, you mean to tell me that how we create artificial intelligence and then it hates us and tries to destroy us might have actually been onto something? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, you know, I, 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 again, like, it would be a great, like, it, we'll see what happens in the next couple of months, but, like, I loved your your text about it because it makes perfect sense. But even, like, outside of that, if he doesn't, like, if they don't, if they don't smartly, like, they don't, like, sharply do that, to take the high evolutionary away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in any way, shape, or form is really a disservice because you can plug and play him in the cosmic universe, right? Like, Thor is always in in search of a good bad guy, and he's had a bad guy problem since the beginning, except for Loki. But I mean, even Loki in the first film is written so terribly, like so terribly. You watch that first film; he's so go, he's so wow. petulant. Like it's so yes. It, I I still love it. I, I think Hiddleston's doing a fantastic job. Oh and, yeah, but but like it's so versus Loki then it comes off as so one note and petulant in the first movie that like by the time you get to Loki in uh uh Ragnarok you're just like this is not the same guy yeah <laughs> um but He's you're rooting so for him, you know that's the thing you're yeah. like actually rooting for him um even when he's doing shit that's terrible you're just like I don't know I love this guy um, I mean, high evolutionary will not be Loki level of like, oh no, I love this guy. He will always be like just evil incarnate. But like, you do need that. You need somebody yeah. like that. It will always be around, like just around the corner. And it it does give me hope that they could do Doctor Doom justice, like. That you I, could do really that hope. character justice. No, absolutely. Um, but also, like, okay, so, like, he, here's the thing, is that we're talking about a movie that's written and directed by James Gunn. Um, yeah. Matt Shankman, I... I, 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 I don't I, think... I, you, I don't think Doom is going to be your guy in the first movie. No. It's gonna have I hope to be... you don't start with Doom. Small. Yeah. Like it, or, or, you know, or Galactus. Or, like, yeah, so big gonna... that it's just, yeah. Like, you, Doom is so, big, like, but yeah. Doom is mid-level as far as, like, Doom wants to conquer the world, not destroy the world, you know? Yes. And also, like, like we know that we they've been testing this whole grand scale big 
um, big bad guys, like like massive scale bad guys, right? And it's not worked. Like like they, I feel like the Eternals was like the test for giant scale um, unimaginable terror. Like you know, like like the like, and it didn't work. Yeah. Like let's be honest, it didn't work. Too much so, bullshit in that movie. <laughs> oh my god, too much fucking. Don't ever trust anything with Richard Mandel in it. Um, oh my God, Citadel. Um, though I've heard that like people that have disliked it and hate watching it, episode four or five, I guess, is like like I watched the first episode. And I was like, man, they spent a lot of money on garbage again. The Gray Man. <laughs> this is literally Gray yeah. Man two point I'm um, not. I'm not watching it. <laughs> uh, but like. Like okay, like 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 big scale stuff is so hard to do, right? Like 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 epic scale bad guys, like Galactus is a huge issue, like right? Like that's why, like you like with Ego, you made it Kurt Russell yeah. as his essentially his herald, but not his herald. But then like you get into the whole thing of Silver Surfer and being Galactus's herald, and it's just one of those things that just. It works on paper, like on comic, in, in like comic form it works. I'm not sure if it will work in the grand scale of things unless you treat Galactus like the Death Star. Yeah, I, I think if you slow play it, it, it can work really um, Okay. But, I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, we will. So I, we will. They keep... so the, Go ahead. There's one thing... Uh, well, there's probably a bunch of shit we didn't talk about with Guardians, but there's one thing I was our views on Star Lord, um, which are mixed. Although we do very much enjoy Chris Pratt as Star Lord. Um, so post credit scene. The, well, there's two. So the first one is there's a two. new yeah. guard, new Guardians lineup. Which okay, so here's here's James Gunn being James Gunn. This whole fucking movie. Is about how there's this asshole who's cruel to animals and like experimenting on them and how awful that is. And then the post credit scene after we wrap all of that is the new Guardians lineup defending a village from some wild animals. <laughs> yes. Marching in to destroy them. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, yeah. We just did this whole movie about how like Hey, animals deserve to be treated with kindness. Also, here's the post credit scene where Rocket and the New Guardians are going to fucking demolish this group of animals. What, what I love, though, also is <clears throat> that they made the cat dog um, a guardian. Like, they put, like, yeah. they not only had Cosmo, but they had the, like, they had the cat dog that, um, that latches on like that Adam Warlock latches onto um <laughs> Which as a guardian. So adorable, man. <laughs> it really is. I'm we didn't talk enough about Adam Warlock. He's riding in this ship and he's like, I'm gonna do what are their people called? I can't remember. The, um, uh, the sovereign. sovereign, sovereign. I'm gonna teach it yeah. the ways of the sovereign. The sovereign. I'm gonna teach it not to do that. <laughs> um <laughs> And also, like, okay, so, like, just a shout-out to, you know, like, one of my favorite actresses, Elizabeth Debicki, as the Sovereign, like, as... Yeah, good on her for coming back to do 
much of nothing, but she's so funny. But but she's so funny as a like so like she like I guarantee you James Gunn like pitched it to her is like you're you're a woman that basically got a son that she never wanted. And she is so stressed out that she is no longer put together like the put together queen that she used to be. She's just a disheveled mess. Cause like remember, like like her hair is all like she's yeah. not like what the sovereign <laughs> she, She's like be. this perfect person when you see her in Guardians 2. And then in Guardians 3, she's just like it's like the the like you're talking about the mother who's like had a baby for like six months and they're just like I don't. I don't even have time to shower. <laughs> like I don't. Yeah. This is just who I am now. I'm a mess. <laughs> and, and like, and it's so great because like the way she plays it with like, oh Jesus, you're my son. You're so much older that like you look older, but you're not really older. You're still a fucking child. Like he's the same age as the nonsense speaking girl, um, that they make a part of the Guardians, like uh, yes. Drax's daughter like like i don't even yeah, know, like mentally like, he's she, the same age yeah <laughs> yes um has no like i mean literally he says their mother mother the, the, um, si- like, is, the scene in the 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 um uh, uh whatever the bad guy headquarters when she's like show him we yeah. mean business or whatever <laughs> he just fucking obliterates that guy <laughs> yeah i know like, 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 what did seriously? you do that for Oh my god. And then okay, and then like the one the okay, so the one character we did not talk about, which kind of makes it like kind of like fun to close. <laughs> no, uh, actually I was gonna say like Groot. Like we didn't talk oh, about yeah, yeah. Chunky Groot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's in that post credit like King Groot, man. That motherfucker is no, well, huge. Uh, uh, at the end. Well, did you hear? Did you hear Mantis? Like, and I, I, I mm-hmm. actually was going to ask, what did Ezra think of him being called Kaiju Groot? Because that's what I he, don't think. Like, he, like, I don't think he called it. I don't think he called it. I didn't oh, catch okay. it until the second time that she called it Kaiju Groot, or she says go, go full Kaiju. I didn't catch Ooh. it till the second time. But like, how great is that? That they, like you said, like King Groot, but also like. Let's be honest, like the the exclamation point at the end when he says, I love you guys, like is like the best fucking thing in the world. Yeah. Like it, it's like a lot a lot of people misread that from the jump. And I don't know if James Gunn's come out and clarified it, but I know there have been a couple of articles, uh, people going like, uh, so guys, it's not that Groot could say stuff the whole time. It's that we've now spent so much time with Groot that we understand what the fuck he's saying. Saying exactly, and that's the way I took it. Was me too. That was James Gunn give, giving us one more present to unwrap, because it's the same thing that happens with um, uh, who is it that he was talking to that he says I am Groot, and she looks at him and goes, Oh, I finally understand you. It's Gamora. Because like, like, Gamora spends oh, the yeah, whole movie. Gamora. Because she's different, Gamora. She spends the whole movie yeah. n- not under doing the Peter Quill thing of like, what the fuck? I know you're Groot. Stop. But then by the end, she spent so much time with him that she then understands him. Um, yeah, Groot, Groot has a fun but small arc in this movie. Um, it's He's not as uh, like super important as he was in the 
the first two, but I think it's mostly because Rocket's sidelined for a large chunk of this movie, and Groot yeah. rightfully is by his side for almost all of that. All of it. Um, yeah. So I we didn't talk about Nathan Fillion, but I do think Nathan Fillion <laughs> puts in some fucking stellar work, man. Like just yeah. absolutely stellar. In a meatwad suit. In yeah. A fucking meatwad suit. Like. He is so good. Like, I mean, he, he's just so good. Like, a, a small part that, like, okay, so the business with him relating to Star Lord yeah. between Drax and his, he, he's like, oh my and God, he, I got it. He cousin, man. You, I got one of those. You got one of those? Like, I know exactly you know, what you're going through. Exactly what you're going through. <laughs> um, it's so or, good. Like, it, like, it, and that's the kind of stuff that you want. Like, a guy who's dealing, like, that's the James Gunn touch, is that you add in a level of humanity and complication that would totally come with that fucking job. Like, and that Nathan Fillion just taking it and running with it. Like, that's like Mal 5.0 and just done with people. Right, like done having to deal with the stupidity of of people. Like it's it's great. It's it's like literally like we're gonna give you Nathan Fillion. And here's another thing that James Gunn does that I love is that he reminds you of why you liked somebody in the first place. Right, like he does that yeah. with Chris Pratt. All three movies, like like it's like oh yeah, that's why that's why Chris Pratt is a superstar, or at least he's a superstar when he plays. When he, when he plays the right roles, or like, oh yeah, that's why, like, if you don't like Dave, Dave Batista in anything else, when you come back to this, like, I'm not like that. I'm a Batista super fan. Like, but you come back and you go, oh yeah, that's why I like this guy. And it's like, Nathan Fillion, I know that he's on TV and people like him in The Rookie. I mean, it's a procedural, Jesus Christ. I don't deal with that stuff uh, too yeah. often. Like, and that's, a super, that's a super, super version of, like, NCIS like it's like okay let's solve crimes I mean he he does that he's the guy like like it's weird to think like he's had what two shows that like are now massively successful right yeah. like um he had the one where he played the author with um the yeah, woman's Castle. name that I can never Stana, yeah, Castle. Cat and now he has the Catic. Catic. yeah Stanick that show, that show would have went on for five more years if she hadn't have been like, I'm done with this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then the rookie, like, you know, yeah. like 40 year old man becomes a, a detective. You can't, or a, a black, or like a, a plank, or a, a, like a beat cop. Like a beat but, anyways, cop, yeah. um, but it's like, but you forget what makes Nathan Fillion Nathan Fillion. Like, he's kind of like, for a second, when we all collectively got on the bandwagon with the DVDs of Firefly, we thought that this dude was the next Harrison Ford, right? Like, yeah. we thought he was the dude. We were like, holy shit, this dude he's is gonna, fucking yeah, one he should shot be a superstar. Yeah, just all rolled <laughs> up into one. And just, I mean, he's had a very successful career, but not Harrison Ford level a successful but, career. But Tom Selleck, um, Tom Selleck, yeah. right? Like, yeah. he's essentially Tom Selleck. <laughs> um, but it reminds you exactly why you like Nathan Fillion. Like, like I don't, I don't know why and how he's able to do that with like micro roles. Like he gives somebody a small role and they just 
it, it just it's wonderful like right like um like he has um uh what is her name uh uh danielle mature in 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 the movie um yeah, who played rat catcher who, who, uh, in suicide yeah yeah and she, she's and great she's she's so great like because of how she bounces off of, like, she gives like April, Lu- uh, uh, April uh, Ludgate, like, kind of like vibes, yeah. right? Like, like the, like the deadpan response. Like, you almost feel like that was probably meant for Aubrey Plaza, but they could just never have the schedule right for it. Like, because it makes perfect sense. Like, that would be like the April Ludlow fucking like role, right? Because it's so kind of deadpan, but it's kind of wonderful because like she's she's great like i love her in i love her as rat catcher um she's and she's she kills it with this like small role that you don't expect that you don't even realize is her until way late in um you go oh you know what i think that that's rat catcher too um but yeah like all these small roles are populated with like these actors that you just kind of i mean we didn't even talk about like stallone coming in like and (laughs) having like like, like, can we just talk about like having the best work he's done in like fifteen years, and you just kind of yeah, want to go? It's pretty good. I was like, man, I kind of want to see this movie. Like, I want to yeah. see the Ravagers movie. Like, that would be fun. Well, yeah, and because just going have... around stealing shit. <laughs> well, like, could you imagine if they do a Ravagers movie? Because then you get the pop of Bing Rings, and we we all forgot from Guardians Volume Two, but I didn't. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Who I mean, apparently is not in. She was so fucking busy. Like uh, that was the thing. Yeah. She, she you is... know that they. <laughs> she's so like, you know that they wanted her. You know yeah. that they wanted her. Um, and I almost feel like. Like. If they like, I mean, we know that they're going to do another Guardians movie. Right, because I mean, they say it at the end, which, like, okay, like, like. So that's what I was going to ask you. What do you think that means? Do you think that means more guardians? Do you think it's standalone I, movie? I think that it means Avengers. I think it also means that they haven't figured out what they want to do specifically because it says specifically the legendary star lord will return so yep. i'm almost one i'm almost wondering if guardians is on the shelf for a while and we just know that they're out there and they become like the hulk where they they come in to pop things like do you know what i mean like the hulk is always yeah. great for a pop um whatever it may be she hulk whatever uh so that iteration of the guardians is always there to make a pop but maybe Star Lord, like maybe that's the like, and it would be just like fucking Chris Pratt to come up with this name or James Gunn to allow like to make it embarrassing for him. Um, the Legend of Star Lord, like that's where that's where you start, right? And so it's like the Ravagers come to to Star Lord to re-recruit him, and then you get your Ravagers kick with Stallone, Bing Reams, and Michelle Yeoh. And you can bring Gamora back because she's a part of the Ravagers and you can like, you know, you can have Chris Pratt come back, but it's not, it's not the, it's not the same as like being tied down to a Guardians film, right? 
Um, yeah. So you don't have that necessarily that association with James Gunn's Guardians and what that means. So that means that you don't have to have Groot, you don't have to have Rocket, um, you don't have to have Drax. Like you can just do the Ravagers, um, and it becomes a whole different thing, right? Because it doesn't become an altruistic adventure because the Ravagers are pirates. So it becomes this whole thing of like, it can be space pirates in space. It can be ice pirates, basically. And you can do yeah. whatever you want. Um, and it becomes this high adventure in, in sci-fi landia, like in the cosmic universe, which I'm okay with. Like, I would love that. Like, I mean, like we've talked, we, you know, my love of Stallone. Like, so like, like, I don't mind if you have like, you know, if you have Stallone barking orders at everybody and he's this captain of a spaceship. Are you fucking kidding me? That's my fucking dream. Cobretti, Marion Cobretti fucking on a giant spaceship fucking barking orders. Fucking. Yeah, of course. I'm going to be there. Fucking Michelle Yeoh, like barking orders. Yeah, I'm going to be there. So yeah. I think that that's, I honestly think like, you know, to your point about a Ravagers movie, I think that that's the way that they do it. Right. So that they don't associate because it says like, like it's not the guardians of the galaxy will return. It's the legendary star Lord will return. So like, I feel like that's, that's the thing. And who is his 45 year old? Like who's the 45 year old mowing the lawn? Like, I just, I... So, I so here's what I want. Hon honest to God, here's what I want. Like, I know it's going to be a few years before we see anything with Star-Lord again, likely. Yeah. But get Chris Pratt. Get somebody... It, it doesn't even have to be... It just needs to be somebody who can operate a camera. And <laughs> just film these five-minute shorts of Peter Quill doing yard work chores around the house like yes. grocery shopping uh like figuring out modern living after having modern been in space for 30 years <laughs> oh my god and you I know? can see the grocery store I can see and just the all these disney one. plus shorts <laughs> that are just star lord trying to live on earth after not being there for decades <laughs> <laughs> The Legend of Star Lord, and it's like the Legend of Star Lord semicolon the grocery store, and literally yep. he puts on his headphones and ruins the fucking grocery store because he's dancing to some fucking stupid song, like yeah, that would be or like, and that's the hook. Every single time he does something, he fucking puts on a song and he puts his headphones on and he does yep. the thing like yard work, right? And he ruins it, like. Oh my god, dude! You're on to something. Like you know, Disney needs to fucking pay you uh, to shoot these things in Atlanta with I mean, just, fucking just Chris Pratt. Seven, eight short. I'll see you know a couple of months, just one every couple of weeks or something. Yes. You know, it, oh they don't god. have to be long, four or five minutes tops, and it would be so fucking funny. And oh, like no, no, no. I, it. <laughs> yes um i would love that like i would love that um but yeah like i i think that they can like it's kind of nice because like i feel like we we boxed what james gunn said into a corner not thinking about like ultimately 
what he meant, which I kind of love. Like, I love that we all took it literally. Like, I mean, I was even talking about it with you a couple of weeks ago where I was like, man, they're going to kill all the Guardians. Like, and that's how they were going to end it, right? Like, they were going to all, like, like it was going to be, like, and some all, kind of, like, weird thing. Most dies in this movie. Like, literally yeah. every character has a, like, oh, shit, this is where they're going to kill him moment. Yeah. But they don't. And, but it creates this tension in the whole movie when you first watch it that you're like, oh, shit, they're going to kill them. They're going to kill yeah. Rocket. They're going to kill these people. Um, and it just turns out that they just killed the poor animals. Uh, uh, fuck. Um, that was so I was going to say Groot doesn't have one, but that's not right. Groot has one at the very beginning. Adam Warlock just obliterates him. Um, yes. With his head, yeah, with his it, creepy John Carpenter's yeah. thin head. <laughs> so fucking fuck. weird, man. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, please grow your body back. I cannot watch this for the whole movie. <laughs> and, okay, last thing, and I just kind of thought about it, like, the moment, the the abyss moment, where they're trying to revive Rocket, like, is uh, some of the best, like, screaming acting that anybody's ever done, let alone, like, yeah. some of the best acting that Chris Pratt has ever done. Um, because it's a, it's a fake thing, but he makes it so fucking uh, real and urgent. sells it, dude. I'm, he really I'm, does. Again, like, seen when he screams at Gamora, I'm not going to let him go. Yeah. I fucking cried every time. <laughs> it's, um, my, my wife, uh, says that the movie is real emotional terrorism in the way that you're because you're not expecting it and i was like well they have the fucking acoustic version of creep as the opening moment i'm like you kind yeah. of have to realize that there's gonna be some fucking shit she goes yeah but you're not expecting it to go into the place it goes and i'm like fair enough yeah. you're right you're very right because it goes some it goes to some dark fucking places um but it's earned and i think that that's the I think that that's where people have found so much umbrage with how emotional it is, is because I don't think they even realize how many years they've been with the Guardians and how much they care about this. It's like, there's no difference between this and people tearing up because, you know, um, uh, Tony dies at the end of, at the end of Endgame. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, I, I, you can cry all you want. Um, but me, myself, I'm like, okay, you know, the guy finally did something altruistic and didn't fucking ruin the world like he did multiple times, but okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to say one thing. I feel like if you're going to do the legendary Star-Lord, I feel like that is the perfect moment to bring Spider-Man into space because Pratt and Holland have great chemistry if you've seen their voice work in what is the movie that they did uh where he plays the bro like they play brothers and it's in the i never watched it onward i never oh, watched it onward they're great they're fucking great in that they kind of like they they're very like and it would also be a way to kind of fuck with the nova situation because we haven't met nova and maybe you make spider-man into nova i think it would be kind of a great thing to get spider-man into space because i mean you know i'm just saying just because i would love to see some like some of my favorite stuff in 
animated form is when he goes into space with the Guardians or he does things in space with, um, like, it, and, I mean, proving with uh, Infinity War, it's kind of great to have, uh, like, to yeah. have that Tom Holland pop in in space. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it would be also, like, another great thing that I could see that they do. But there's the possibility. The great part, part about it is what I was trying to get back to was him ending the Guardians opens up, like, 35 different possibilities that they could take these characters with and not have it contained to just Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so they're yeah, not, I, not re... We only... I think the only people that have spoken about not coming back is Dave Bautista. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name that plays Gamora? She has said that... She said yeah. that she doesn't want to come back, but she's also okay with them recasting. Um... Which, I, how do you fucking recast that? I yeah, mean, I, but yeah. also, Zoe Saldana's just so damn good. Um, she really is. I don't I mean, know if Karen making... Gillan would come back. She might be tired of shaving her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you might not see Nebula for a while. Uh, unless it's in, like, some animated stuff. Um, yeah. But... But also... Uh, but everybody else I've heard, like, yeah. I haven't heard anybody saying anything. Um, like, I don't think Tom Clementine has said anything one way or the other. Um, no. I don't know where you'd go with that character, but, like, it doesn't mean you can't. Um, and certainly, like, uh, I think uh, uh, Poulter is down. Like, uh, you know, he didn't really get a chance to do a ton. He's great with what he yeah. gets, but I, he seems down to, like, if they do like that new iteration of the guardians and of course like rocket and Groot. like i mean i can't imagine bradley cooper would turn down a paycheck of like hey man like talking to this microphone in that weird brooklyn accent thing and do <laughs> yes. not that he's not giving <laughs> a stellar performance but it's just like you know it's it's not hours in a makeup chair and like you know it's a it's days in a recording booth you know getting emotional yeah. sure but it, it's not it's not the the heavy work that somebody like uh, Dave Bautista or Zoe Saldana are have had to do. So, um, and I mean, certainly Chris Pratt is down. So, yeah, um, uh, obviously he is, and he's just waiting for the call for the next one. Um, I actually okay. So, <laughs> one Craig might like, be tough because he might be tied up with DC stuff. <laughs> Yeah, because he's gonna be playing. Sean Gunn tends to go where James Gunn goes. <laughs> so. And you can you can only imagine playing Weasel is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um yeah. because that's who he's I mean, they're already saying that he's coming back. Um now here's an interesting thing. Um, who do you who do you get like like who would be on your wish list of taking these characters to the next level? Like not being a Bar- Guardians movie, but like literally just taking these characters and creating another another like another avenue to like make stories with them like i said like the ravagers or the legend the legend of star lord um when they decide to make a movie with these people like what group of like couple of directors would you like to see tackle these characters um i mean i don't know that's that's tough there's there's got to be somebody kind of up and coming like a younger 
director that somebody it, it would have to be somebody I'm not familiar with because there's okay. I can't think of anybody that I could do the kind of work that James Gunn has done. Like there's certainly like great sci-fi directors out there. Um mm-hmm. but like they're all working on such a grander serious scale that like I I've like uh Denis Villeneuve, like, I, he's not going to make a Guardians movie, right? No, you know? he's not. No, because he's, I mean, he's stuck in Dune, right? Yeah. Chris Nolan's not going to make a Guardians movie, you know? <laughs> like, he couldn't make a Guardians movie. Like, there's too too much seriousness to, to a Chris Nolan. Um, so, yeah, it would have to be somebody... Or maybe uh, maybe you don't look for somebody who can because Gunn wasn't uh, like he did sci-fi stuff, but it was like low rent sci-fi. Um, yeah, um, I was gonna throw something out to you, which it feels like they've been working towards something super big. I mean, they have super big stuff, <laughs> and you're probably already thinking like what I'm thinking, um, maybe. But what do you think about Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg? Um, yeah, I, I, I like I like them as creatives. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't hate Seth Rogen. I don't think there's personally a place for him like on screen in yeah. in this universe because that uh, much because he's really only good at playing Seth Rogen. Um, yes. But creatively, yeah, absolutely. Like, like them taking over the way that they created the boys, like the way that they shepherded the boys to like fruition. Because I mean, they're a large yeah. part of the reason why the boys works. Um, everything I've heard, like, you know, of course, there's a showrunner and stuff like that. Um, Eric Kripke, who's you know, again, supernatural continues to be like a weird place that people have, like, you know, like the most eccentric things that are like the most eccentric like pieces of fiction that are coming out right recently have been associated with creatives from supernatural, which I always find so weird because it's such a humdrum show. Um, at least to me. Um, but I actually thought about that because it would be something that I don't like. It sounds like it makes, it makes sense. But then when you, when you think about it, it's like, but they've never actually done something like this. Like they've done stuff. Like, I mean, of course, I mean, Preacher and the boys were for what they were and the ad, like the boys more than anything is actually, I feel is better than the comics. Like, I don't know. Like, I've only read the first like two volumes of the comic, but the boys in its iteration on film is like, holy shit, how the fuck. And again, like we've always talked about, everybody takes the wrong lessons from that fucking show, right? The wrong people are watching that show, um, but they're not learning anything from it. Um but like you know, to take to take those two things and turn them into something that's actually watchable is kind of wild. And like they have that kind of um, that kind of like same style. Like I would love to see it just because it would be interesting. Because you're not ruining or you're not taking the guardians and turning them into something. You're literally just taking those characters and giving somebody a different like you know area to play with them in and like i know a lot of people have talking about like taika taking over but 
I mean, if Titan's no. going to do something, let him stay. Yeah, let him stay with Thor. Like, literally let him stay with Thor and let him do whatever he uh, wants. But no, 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 no. <laughs> I would prefer if he just got the hell out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But that's Which me. itself. <laughs> but, I mean, that also appears what, what's happening um, with yeah. him. Like, he's, I don't think he's going to come back. But, uh, but I definitely, like, I feel like like what you're saying is probably more true is that they're going to probably find somebody that's an up and comer or somebody that's worked in indie for so long. That's such a left field choice that we're like, huh? Like the James Gunn thing. Like we all kind of like at the beginning, we all were like, so you're, yeah, it was very much like, yeah, you're giving this unproven franchise to an unproven director. Like, like you're building it literally building something out of nothing with people who have never done anything like this, you know, like it mm-hmm. wasn't the leap that Iron Man, uh, you know, it, Iron Man wasn't the yeah. leap that Guardians was. Like Iron Man was like, oh, John Favreau's directed some successful movies, you know, he he's got a voice, he's done successful things. Not that James Gunn hadn't done somewhat successful things, but like he hadn't made a hundred million dollar movie. You know, he had with massive special effects. It like it just yeah. It, it so I mean honestly, and if you're going to continue the franchise, that's what you should do. So yeah, yeah. You know. No, absolutely. Um, any other thoughts? Um, in regard, I mean, we've we've covered the gamut. I know that there's probably like two and a half hours more that we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, Cos- Cosmo's pretty great, man. <laughs> yes. Who who was not a good dog until the end, which I found that truly funny. That shit was so funny, man. Like the whole, the, like <laughs> Nebula. Did you hear what he said about me? He called me a bad dog. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't care, Cosmo. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, like Cosmo's great. Like Cosmo was like that, like extra, like all of those characters, like that extra punch that you just hope happens mm-hmm. in movies. But like, let's I hope honest, for a little like, more. Howard the Duck didn't get it. Yeah, we did not. Uh, we got him at the end. Um, yeah, and he cool. always seems to be like that. Yeah, but he always seems to be like that. It's like it's like James Gunn doing Seth Green a favor, like like you know, giving him like getting him casted into this like universe. It just looks like I'm gonna do you a solid. But, At some but, point, yeah. we might get some more Howard, but uh, you know, if we don't, we don't. It's fine. Um, um, no, I, I'm honestly, uh, there's a lot of stuff coming in June that I'm going to want to go to the theater and see. So uh, between now and June, I may make it one more time. I, I can't tell you the last time I saw a movie three times in the theater, but four times it's been a really, really long time. So... It's good. I love it. Yeah. It's really, really good. Like, you know, and that's coming from a dude that didn't like the first two movies, guys. Like, like this is yeah. like course correction. I think the second one's finest. better than the first one, but I still don't think it's great. I don't think the first one's, I think the first one's an okay movie. I don't even think it's a good movie. So, yeah, for me to love volume three, it's, yeah, it's fucking, it's so fucking good. I mean, it'll probably be, and it's definitely upper level Marvel for me. It might be top five. That's that's not a bold statement, but it's it's 
a total fucking a like big statement because like you know um yeah like it, it really is like it really i don't even understand like i can't express to people like just how good the movie is but what i can say is that if you have a choice between super mario brothers and guardians of the galaxy volume three go see volume three like literally go see volume three because yeah it's rough a rough ride but it's worth it whereas like you won't get anything out of super mario brothers like like literally like i'm always i'm, I'm very clueless as to like i can keep on watching i'm going man this movie like other than the peaches song right like other than everything that jack black has done in that movie everything else is kind of like oh okay i guess it's a, it's, it's it's innocuous like it's like whatever um but it's like, he's made super amount of money but like guardians is legitimately like a fucking like it's like a fucking great it's like a great summer movie exactly what you want from a summer movie um and you know i mean you could you could you could watch fast x if you want to no, part I'm one <laughs> one of can three can we just talk <laughs> one of three what the fuck dude like seriously, like can we just like stop and appreciate the fact that like look, Vin Diesel just went like like you know that part two is probably it, right? But then this motherfucker, because he knows that all he can do, all he has to do is go onto Facebook and like say some shit like "it's gonna be a part three, family," and like literally Universal has no choice but then to invest three hundred million dollars into another fast movie because they these fucking things make half a billion and a half dollars every time they fucking come out um uh and then did you see the uh, like uh, like i know that you don't watch them okay guys spoilers for something that happens in fast x that you probably don't want to know about um so like just fast forward because i got it ruined um but i know that you're not a fan so you don't care did you yeah, hear i don't give a shit <laughs> yeah the rock but did you hear <laughs> yes did you hear about The Rock? He's yeah. coming back or he has a cameo? I'm like, okay, so this is how we know the hierarchy had not shifted mm -hmm. in the DC universe is that mm -hmm. the hierarchy Backtracking there, buddy. Backtracking <laughs> big time. Oh, my God. I have to... I, I, I was so mad that it got ruined online and fuck the dude that fucking, like, fuck that journalist. Like, I know who it is, and I'm not going to say his fucking name, but fuck him, dude. Seriously. And your fucking organization that did it in the byline. Did you know that? They yeah, literally that's, posted that's such it. bullshit, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, I'm all for the pomp and circumstances of stupid movies. Because they're, it's fun. But if I were to have the Michelle Rodriguez reveal ruined for me in that, in that other movie, I can't even remember which one it was. I would have been mad. I'm kind of mad right now because of it, but at the same time, it's so much more entertaining to realize that, like, I mean, I know I give The Rock a lot of shit, but I mean, you know, with the dude that, like, you know, has an ego the size of his biceps, which is fucking massive, it's kind of fun to watch this because, like, I don't think The Rock understands why we liked him so much when he went into movies because he was an underdog and we kind of wanted to see it's the same reason why I like Batista because everybody doubts them and then they shine in a way that is specific to them. Like, but I don't know if the rock lost that and it just became like, I'm like, Oh dude, you're just unlikable, man. 
I'm like, yeah. you don't help anybody out. You... But him coming back to the Fast franchise, I'm like, the first thing I thought about was like, I need to talk to fucking Logan about this because yeah, it just I read it, it goes back to yesterday, the... and I was like, man, how quickly, how quickly <clears throat> you walk that shit back, like. You know, yeah, it's been a year or more, I guess. But yeah. like, he was so like, no, I don't, I don't think what Vin Diesel did was cool. I don't like that he brought up uh, this and this and that and that. And I, I, you know, we settled this. I'm not gonna be in another one of those movies. And you know, it's like, hey, man, those words gonna come back to bite you in the ass. So, yep. you know, and and I'm not pro Vin Diesel either. But it's just like, no. you. You know, what Vin Diesel did was wrong, but, like, The Rock could have just been like, no, nah, I'm not coming back. He didn't have to get, like, he didn't have to go that route. So, just be like, no, nah, I decided not to come back. And then, like, when you show back up, it's like, aha, surprise, bitches. But when you get, like, real vocal about it, then you have to walk that back. That's real, like, that's a hit to your pride, man. <laughs> exactly. And But, like, like... I constantly, like, you know what I thought about, like, when it happened was I thought about the fucking video of the 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 Rock's daughter painting his face red with yep. lipstick. I was just like, I kept on thinking about that. I'm like, motherfucker, like, this is like, this is what you've earned. I'm like, I'm like, and I know that you're kind of working your way back and Moana, the live action version where you're going to play Maui again in the live action is part of your is part of your plan to reassent because your apology tour <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is it's the fucking apology tour isn't it like i just i can see know. him walking into his agent's office after shazam or sorry black adams fiasco and just being like well like we've got to do something like what's on deck and he's like well here's what we got <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> nobody else wants to take a meeting because of all others had with the way you wanted to do things your way and diesel still wants you to be in these fast movies and also disney says live action moana movie you could do that like we could talk them into that so that's what we got and so that's what's happening <laughs> with the rock. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. I just man, he fucking like like I just love like it's my favorite thing that's happened this week and I'm not like I'm not like this guy's a fucking like he owns a fucking football a football league. So yeah. yeah. Like, like he's not hurting for fucking anything. So I don't feel bad about fucking about making fun of this fucking dude. I, I, him having fucking... to get knocked down a peg. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah. I still love him. Still love The Rock. But, like, it's like... Yeah, man. You got a little too full of yourself. You thought you were gonna, like, hoist, like, the DCU on your back and, like, carry it and be the new fucking king shit. And people were just like, no. <laughs> like, we're done with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the public was like, no. Um, yeah. And we're taking back the people's, you're from your title, and we're revoking that until you yeah. can show that you're responsible enough to handle shit. Fucking go back to family. Um, yeah, I, I just want to, like, you know, it's just going to be some fucking, like, like, like he walks up 
not without me. Oh yeah, it's a hundred percent like filmed fucking like they filmed that shit two weeks ago. Like it yeah. was not part of the movie. Like that, there's just this tacked on thing. Like yeah, a hundred percent. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they're getting an extra movie out of it. Fast fans yep. should be fucking happy. Oh, you know what? Our our our, our biggest the 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 common biggest fan of the Fast franchise that we both know. Like, have you talked to Spencer about this, or is Spencer excited for Fast Ten? Oh, he's super excited. Um, I mean, because like I'm only I'm gonna go watch it because of the Momoa. Like, I love Momoa. Like, he's like. Rock, like he's the good rock, right? Um, he's the hairy rock. Um, oh, that sounds very wrong, but um, like <laughs> I like I watch this stuff and I'm like, man, they went hard on this stuff, like in a way that, like, this was a movie about street racing, and now it's yeah, like now it's Vin- fucking ridiculous. <laughs> now, now, fucking they're Vin blowing Vin up the Vatican Jedi. and shit. Yes. <laughs> Uh, uh whatever. <laughs> Every time I see the so trailer, I just roll my eyes, man. Like I don't I don't begrudge anybody who enjoys it. It's just like this is not for me. So, um, um Well maybe I, next week it's coming out. I'm gonna watch it. Maybe I can you can ask me questions okay. and I will give you the stupidest answers to them. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say it comes out, I'm not going to see it. Oh um, no, no, no. I, I I fully expect you not to. Um uh, because I mean, you've, we've talked about this series before <laughs> and I know where you, your things lie, but I'm going to totally watch it because it's entertaining to me and stupid. It's just like, they're stupid in a way that, that I can't even describe like it, it, but it's so funny to see that people like love these movies and the bigger they get, like, I mean, Vin Diesel is like literally like a Jedi in a car. He's like Yoda in a car. And some of this stuff I'm like, like what? And people are screaming yeah. and cheering in the in the theaters when these trailers come up. It's wild. Fucking wild. Yeah. I can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um I I don't know what I'll be watching this week. I don't know. We might yeah. it might just be me asking Adam questions about there's i mean we've got a we've got a shit ton of content out there um but you are right like um i have no clue other than the fast x movie i don't know what else we could talk about but we'll figure it out i'm sure Uh, zaz always do something yeah and zaz is always like zaz has been remarkably quiet recently so i'm fairly certain well that's because he's holding out hope for the max (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, the the that's like in they should have two weeks. Called max, yep, maximum price increase. That's what they should have called it. Yeah. Um, max. Um, Welcome to Max. Ugh, good lord. But yeah, we will be back next week. Um, talking about something, right? Yep, we'll be here. Uh, until then, go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com. Uh, specifically, Pod Lasso, our Ted Lasso podcast. Having a lot of fun with that. Um, probably quiet on the Star Wars front for a little while. We do have Visions, which we haven't talked about, but I also haven't finished. So, uh, so I'll, I'll probably finish that this week. Um, so it might be some Star Wars talk from me next week. Um, 
but uh, yeah, go check all that out, and then uh, I'll let Adam plug his stuff. Um, you could uh, you can read my work and uh, Logan's work on uh, themovieall.com. He actually has something coming out this week. I held off on it. I read it. I loved it. Um, it's about our dude Kevin Smith and clerks and um yeah like i'll let you guys read it and then we can actually we can probably talk about that for a few minutes too um i think it's warranted um uh i think it's i definitely think it's warranted so um there's that coming out um other stuff that i'm going to be posting of course like i always do but you can find my work the movie aisle uh all my written content at uh, themovieisle.com along with him and also uh, Marie and other writers. Uh, but if you want to hear me podcast, it's all xwingfiles.com and, and this particular podcast. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Number 10, every single band that I stole all their MP3s, but they all sold out. They all together, you with me now.